Hello there, and welcome to the Comic Book Tesseract, the only comics from netcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm Justin Chalupka, alongside Jason Polieff. Join us as we review and preview the world of comics, along with other facets of geek sheet culture. Oh boy, been a while since we've gotten together. Yeah. This is the, the new format, so... New show schedule, shows coming out on the 1st and the 16th of each month. Yep, yep. So, uh, if you if you did kind of miss something and go, wait, wait, did, did I miss an episode? A, uh, we did have one that didn't come out because of technical issues. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. Uh, yeah, yep. Couldn't hear anything. Uh, so, we, we did have that mess up on our part, but we did also change the, for, the format. It's now going to be coming out the 1st and 16th of the month. Yeah, which we talked about that uh, last show. And that means we got a lot of news. We got a lot of comics. Oh, yeah. We got a big so. old stack of stuff. So, uh, instead of doing the 10 minute of wasting time like I did last show, let's go ahead and jump right into comics. And we'll start off with the big grand conclusion, book 12 of AVX, Avengers vs. X-Men. The finale is here. It has arrived. And... I have to say, I'm actually pleasantly, uh, well, I'm, you, did you like I'm, it? I'm pleased with how this ended. Okay. It, it took a, you know, it changed at least a little bit of status quo. You know, there's people that have, are yeah. doing their thing and others that are doing their thing. And, and, and it's interesting nobody because... in the universe is happy with how it ended, which to me is a good thing. Nobody should be happy about this. <laughs> yeah. Well, nobody in the universe, and as a fan, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. I feel a lot of this was just kind of, yeah, a showmanship of... Masturbatory? Uh, yeah, it was, it was fan okay. masturbatory. I'm still not convinced that this was a great series. And as far as status quo, it brought us actually to a point six years ago or longer of status quo before the words, no more mutants were muttered. It's it's almost like they reversed themselves all the way back in time. Well, it's still not quite where they were, but... Yeah, because one of the reasons they, that they supposedly actually had that is because they felt they had way too many mutants in the Marvel Universe. Yes. And that they were no longer special, which, then again, the whole point of mutants is that as the next stage of human evolution, that's where things were supposed to be going. Right. So, it's kind of a double-edged sword for Marvel there, because they can't have too many mutants to make them no, no longer special, but that's where everybody has to eventually move. Well, uh, so, th- this put them back on track, because that's one of the big things that mm-hmm. happens at the end of this is mutants are now back. Right. And from what we can tell, it's not the same mutants. This is a whole new population that is just being inundated with the X gene, I suppose. And so it's people who were not mutants previously, or maybe or they were late- born latent, and then this has activated it or something. Yeah, because of the Scarlet which they were never able to be activated, have their right. gene activated. So they were always mutants, they just never knew it. Yeah. Now they do. Well, the other side of that, too, and we'll, we can talk about it a little bit later, or we can talk about it now... Is that uh, in one of the little side, on that side, one of the previews that was in the Marvel Now book that uh, was out actually yeah. this week. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that because yeah, that's, that's the other big story for Marvel this yeah. week. Yeah, it was the freebie one uh, from yeah. your local shop. You can pick it up. And it's the X-Men Legacy, I think, story that's in it. Okay. Where uh, it, it... Legion? I think so. Yeah, it's the, it's the one that had the unfinished art. Uh, from uh, showing Xavier's son Legion. Oh no 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 no! Okay. That, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm talking about the one where uh, Beast shows up. Ah, okay. Because you're talking about the all new X Men. Yes, the all new X Men. Because this to me seems like the logical next step to what would happen after all of the mutants coming out is, and I'll just go ahead and, and kind of give a quick brief on the story. Uh, Beast shows up from the future, and it's the future Beast that we know and love, Blue Harry, and all that kind of fun stuff. Showing up to the older version of the X-Men, the Hank McCoy pre-fur, 
along with Scott and everybody else. And he is there to get Scott Summers and take him to the future to prevent him to, to talk to his future self and prevent him from uh, committing mutant genocide. So what that sounds like to me is there's been this mutant boom in the current timeline. So Beast has to go back to get Scott to talk to himself because for some reason he thinks there shouldn't be this mutant mutant boom. And so he's going to do something to like start wiping them out and maybe make them unique again. Like he doesn't feel he's special anymore. Well, I, I don't know. Th- yeah. I, I don't know where they're going to go with this. Like, Scott has clearly lost it. Yeah. It, and actually one of the things in another book that I had forgotten we both read, hmm. um, or at least I, I read by reading your copy. So I'm presuming you actually made it to uncanny Avengers number one, which is part of the Marvel now initiative. Mm-hmm. One of the first books to come out here. And that is also a book dealing with the aftermath. The, yeah. the idea of the Uncanny Avengers is they're putting together a team of Avengers and X-Men to work together to help with the mutant-human relationships. Which know, to, honestly to seems with... kind of redundant to me because X-Men have been Avengers throughout the history of the Avengers. Yeah. This I, ain't new. Yeah, I... Yeah, so Scarlet Beast, Witch herself, Wolverine, her, her brother Quicksilver, both, both have mutants. been both are mutants. Both have been with the X Men. Namor, yeah, Namor, who's not really a mutant. He's another species because he's an Atlantean. I thought they did make. I thought they. Yeah, he, he is a member of the X Men. Yeah, but thought, he's not really. I thought they said I, he was in fact. I, I would a mutant. I, I don't. Uh-huh. I don't know how they're making that argument. He's Atlantean, not human, unless they're calling Atlanteans mutant species. Hmm. Uh, so, um. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, like you said, Beast is is currently an Avenger. Wolverine, because they have to have him in as many books as they can, because he's Because Wolverine. he's Wolverine, yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of like Deadpool. Yeah, I was going to say, he and Deadpool. I'm surprised Deadpool is not back on the back in the X-Box and is not an Avenger now, because uh, they need them all. Um, <laughs> or as many as they can get, at least. Yeah. Um, so, with the uh, Uncanny Avengers, uh, it was really interesting to see captain trying to recruit them into yeah and to deal with that whole idea and, and scott with where his mind's at after the events that's gone on in mm-hmm. avx yeah uh, it, it, we're kind of talking about all of these together because the well, one big the, the world right AVX now is at this kind of pivot all, point so yeah, they're, they're using avx as the pivot point the launching point for a lot of the marvel now stuff which makes sense uh, particularly the avengers and x-men stuff mm-hmm. Well, I mean, look at DC. They did the same thing with Flashpoint when they went into their new 52. I mean, it's a logical progression of how you want to do something. Right. I mean, there needs to be an impetus for this world-changing event. I, for me, it was just a- AVX was just kind of lacking overall. The, the storytelling, in part because every chapter was written by somebody different, was very inconsistent. Uh, there, there were points like la- in issue 11, all of a sudden, they bring in the Hulk for Hulk to do something. And we have and no he does a little bit of something, and, and we really don't know why. Uh, pro- probably, if he picked up the uh, versus book, which would, uh, the yeah, probably maybe. just had a fight, they brought him in just for that. But they'd already shown that he was that he was a character that would be outmatched between the Phoenix Force as the enemy, mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, Whether, they showed that both with him and with uh, the Red Hulk with Ross, because Ross just right. got his ass handed to him by Colossus, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So yeah, with the Phoenix Force, uh, and who be Colossus? Spider Man. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Take it to him, Pete. Yep. So, it, it was interesting to see how they used uh, Hope and, uh, and a... Scarlet Witch and combined and multiple power sources, you know, the source for Iron Fist, mm-hmm. to, to actually wind up defeating. Oh, yeah. And, and, it, and defeating the Phoenix Force. I, I saw a comic, and I think it was on Reddit, where uh, there's... 
Cap, yeah, it was on Reddit because yeah. I remember when you, when you found it. Yeah, it, Cap and uh, Scott are having that the end of the war conversation, and Scott just basically lambastes him by saying, "Oh yeah, you did this. Oh wait, no, that was us. Oh wait, we did this. Oh wait, no, that was you." And oh wait, we were trying to do this and you stopped us, but then you did. You it. ended up doing it anyways. So yeah, good job on you guys. Okay, um, yeah. that's a quick run through Marvel. Let's move on to uh, let's go to an independent. <laughs> okay. And talk about Think Tank. Yes. Uh, Think Tank number three. From Top Cow. Originally uh, supposed to be a four-issue miniseries. Which we didn't know until we read the stories in the back of this issue. Which is one of the fun things about this book. This book is very much grounded in reality. There is a little bit of a sci-fi. There is a little bit of that slight sci-fi. And, and, of course, you have to step over the, the edge of reality yeah. for, for a good, compelling story. But the science and stuff, he gives you a... Has a solid end, foundation. Yeah. And he... Tells you about the science at the back of the book. He tells right. you, here's the gas that I was mentioning and here's what it actually does. Yeah. Here's the drugs. Here's a quad here's, rotor. Here's yeah. a, you know, uh, what would we call it? The BZ, I think was the gas he said that he used. Yeah. Um, you know, all yeah. the little things that he has are all actual current technologies that are being developed. Yeah. Just not maybe necessarily to the level that is in this book. Right. This continues to be that great, like, real genius in the future kind of storyline. Yeah. The main character is hilarious. His He's narration throughout ass. the story is fantastic. Yeah. It's a great tongue-in-cheek, witty, snarky, just yeah. a very, very entertaining read. And I'm glad that this is going to be going beyond yeah. the a four-issue mini because this is a story that just has a lot of legs to it. Yeah. They can run with this and just go and go and go <laughs> and have a shitload of fun with it. Yeah, so you know, issue five will be starting a new arc. So mm-hmm. I, I'd imagine, depending on the size on what they're looking at for that arc, they may go ahead and ship out a one through four trade paperback since that was the original arc, and then do another trade. Mm-hmm. They may just. Keep I would it say if contained. they do that, I would think if they're going to do a, uh, just a one through four because I know it's trade. It's, they'll it's probably done so end up well, it's going to be hard to find to this, this at your shop. I know I had to get a second printing of the first issue. Yeah, as did I. Uh, the. Really, you? I thought you got the, got the original first printing. No, uh, of this, no, of, no, yeah, because because you did donated I? to me that first week it was out because I had left it on the shelf. What was it that I? And I, oh, I, oh, I went I'm back thinking, to go find it and it was gone. Yeah, I'm thinking of revival. Yes. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, so this is done really well. Maybe hard to track down. You may wind up having to get second or third prints if your shop can get them. But if uh, even if that's so what you have to that, do, do it anyways because it is worth it. Um, and again, you may want to just yeah, you know, it, it may be worth taking a peek to see if you're going to get a trade because it might be easier to pick up a trade. Um, odds are they'll probably throw it out at issue four or they're probably, or if it's another four issue arc, they'll throw it out at issue eight, which yeah. case you're going to be waiting another couple of months for it. Uh, it happens. But definitely, definitely worth, you know, strong characters that they're, you know, he, he keeps it focused on a single point of view too, which I like. Yeah. It, it's from the, I mean, he has the, like, a good supporting character cast around him, Yeah, but they don't overpower his story. You're not getting muddled by trying to follow other people's stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, I, a couple of things I've been dealing with or watching. And morning you, Glories. Huh. <laughs> morning, morning Glories, you're, you're jumping character to character to character. Yeah. Not to say that that's necessarily bad, but it certainly makes it harder to follow and sometimes can make a book less interesting because you can't focus. Well, it's, yeah, and depending upon how the art is done, too, especially with comics, you'll look at characters and go, oh, wait, shit, was is, this this, this guy, looks like or, him? What the crap? Okay, yeah. wait a second. You know, uh, you end up getting confused. And yeah, you, just makes it and, and just like pain. picking actors who look the same, so because they're yeah. all handsome, it's hard to do, that same effect happens in TV shows sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think it's worse in comics, though, because especially if you have an artist who's a bit uh, lim- limited on their style, yeah, or, or limited on their on their character design, on the range, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I can fully understand that. Uh, but the other thing is that one thing that Morning Glories does really well is they tend to focus a single issue on a character. Yeah. And a lot of times you have the surrounding characters which are pulled in. Mm-hmm. And if there is a side story, a lot of times it relates directly back to the main character you're right. following. It's because of something that's influencing yeah. them right at that time. Yeah, that's true. All right. Um, um, <laughs> shall we uh, stay a bit more on that you know, less than big guy tip? Yeah, let's which, actually hit both of these at once because uh, they're continuing stories and there's not a whole, whole lot to really go deep into on them. Uh, they are valiant, both yep. valiant books. We're talking Archer and Armstrong and Bloodshot. Yep. Um, Archer and Armstrong's on number three, Bloodshot's on number four. Bloodshot was the first one that Valiant released on their relaunch. No, it wasn't. Exo Man of War was the Oh, first. I'm sorry, you're right. Exo Bloodshot was. came out afterwards. Yes, 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 I'm um, sorry. You are correct. Archer and Arm- We also have Archer and Armstrong, and mm-hmm. uh, Harbinger is, is out as well. I love Harbinger. Uh, and, <clears throat> for me, I think Harbinger is the strongest of the books that are out right now. Yeah. No, but I, Bloodshot has actually been getting stronger as it's gone along. Mm-hmm. I, I find yeah, I'm, it's no longer just a, oh here's a soldier that has nanotech that builds him up and makes him stronger. They're changing that dynamic. You know. Well, because they put that that twist at the end of the first issue that put it on its ear. I I don't recall what the original run was back in the '90s, but I think it really was just that here's the super soldier super soldier with nanotechnology and that's it. I'm gonna go run around and do my super soldier thing. This, they've turned it much, much more into a character piece, where they're delving into what this guy is going to have to go through well, based on how they dealt with to find himself and who he is. That's, that's well, because it had been taken from him, specifically. Right. Now, the other thing that they do in this book, specifically, is they point out that these books are united. They bring up Harada, who is a character from Harbinger. Oh, they, right, she, right. Um, there's, there's a... Uh, I didn't secondary, catch that. Wow. there's a okay. secondary character in Bloodshot who actually is looking for Harada and calls a phone number. I'd like to speak to Mr. Harada. He's not here. Yeah. So they, they've specifically linked. Yeah. I didn't catch that. Damn. Um, I wish which I goes that. along with the fact that Ninjak has now shown up in the Exo Man of War books. Right. A lot of these books are now, they're now tying them together in the larger universe. However, they're still minimally connected. Mm-hmm. Although, again, the, the, sec- okay, I think. that secondary character who has a psionic ability it deals directly with what's going on in the Harbinger book of a school of people with psionics. Right. So, uh, the story is definitely getting stronger and stronger with Bloodshot. Mm-hmm. I, I think it it could possibly have turned people off if they just read issue one, and it almost did me, especially considering at the same time I was just yeah. reading yeah, yeah. the new Unknown Soldier from DC. Oh, which yeah, Which did definitely. the same thing. And was not what I wanted from that. Well, and, and that, was, yeah, because that one started just kind of slumping down so quickly. I, uh, I can understand why you would see this and think, oh, this is going to do the same damn thing. Well, they, they were coming out almost parallel yeah. in, in the story points of, here's a soldier. And I wanted just a straight combat soldier. At least with Bloodshot, I knew that's not what I was going to get. Yeah. Uh, with un, with Unknown Soldier, I was hoping for just a straight-up soldier story. And that's not what I got. Um, and... and uh, yeah, well, it's, screw, um, screw no soldiers. Not worth bringing up anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm not even keeping up with that anymore. Although they they did have uh, Ghost Tank as the fir- as the featured piece in the most uh, recent uh, issue. Yeah. So they've gotten rid of the War Before Time Forgot, the dinosaur part Thank first God. half of that story. Um, but Ridiculous. yeah, it was getting worse and worse. <laughs> Archer and Armstrong is the other Valiant book 
um, which hasn't been tied in quite as tightly with any of the rest of the universe. I don't know if it has at all, to be honest. Uh, Interesting developments in this. They're pushing the characters. Mm -hmm. This is the one that there's aspects of the book I'm kind of going, I want to explore that a bit more. You know what Archer and Armstrong has started to remind me of? This, I was trying to think of this earlier, and it finally clicked. This is Dan the Unharmable, but the PG version. Yes. That's definitely who who Armstrong is. Yeah. Um, it's the I, the world which, be damned. I don't care. I'm doing my own thing. Screw all y'all. Which Dan the Unharmable also came out in these past couple of weeks mm-hmm. and was a lot of fun to read. I, I enjoyed reading it. You haven't. Uh, yeah, I'm getting there. But they got, that's got, got a, a new work. I still got to get through. Yeah, that's got a new work that's coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. This was the last issue. I think it was issue five. Uh, five. It's either five or six. Six, I think. Okay. So Dan the Unharmable just finished. Basically, it's the dude. He does wants nothing more than yeah. to just relax and enjoy a couple of beers. Enjoy and his life. Has to help people do things. So whether he um, wants to or not, that's kind of Armstrong is kind of in the same way. He just wants to drink and forget about the world till he finds out that the device that destroyed the world is being reassembled, and this religious zealot Archer is the one that gets him out of his stupor to help to realize that he needs to stop this from happening. Well, yeah, by almost. Uh, assassinating him, which is what he was sent to do in the first place. Unfortunately, I'd really love to see a bit more of Archer and, you know, how he's seeing the world as this person who's been raised in seclusion, raised well, in, we in see this that... sect. Wait, oh. I'd like to see more of that carried through. Oh, okay, it seems okay. like I thought you were saying Armstrong for a second. No. I'm like, well, we, we're getting there from Armstrong already. Well, I mean, he but, talks about what's happened. Well, he talks about what's happened in the past for, that he's yeah. scared of happening. Again. But I'd really like to see Archer develop a bit more because you see that Throughout the first, but it's kind of almost been a wash well, of saying, here's, oh no, I'm in this strange, strange world. And then goes through going just regular it. events. He's and been then, kind of a one note oh, character wait, by the so way, far. I'm, by the way, I'm, I'm not a normal person. By the way, this is all strange and weird to me. Okay, we're going to continue doing everything as, yeah, normal, it's, as a normal person. He's well, not I as consistently. I, I want to see more out of him than just that, oh, this world is strange and new. He needs to get more going. I mean, we got the thing in this one with his sister. We already know he's got the problem with his parents. Adopted sister, by the way. Whatever. But well, I think that needs... could be a strong story point later on. Yeah. But there needs to be more from him than I am this cult kid. There's yeah. got to be more to his character than that. And right now, it's just I'd like, not well, there. Really, what I'd like to see is more of the world through his eyes, even. Hmm. More of how things are odd or how things are strange out here in this strange world that are what he's experiencing that's different, that's making him yeah. open his eyes. There was really a big event that made him go, wait, I was being lied to. Right. But he still is going to have a lot of that that he has to grab onto. Well, and you would think he would have he, to he, spend more time deprogramming, and he hasn't really yeah. gone through any of that. And that's that's what I'd love to see more of in this book. It's really well written. It's just it's probably the value book that I want more of. Yeah. It's not quite giving me as much as, as, it, as it's promising to mm-hmm. it, with the concept of the material. Okay. Okay. All right. The next <laughs> one that's up, I'm I'm going to start this by saying something, and I'm going to earn our explicit tag. <laughs> Scott motherfucking Schneider. Hell yeah. Okay. Batman number thirteen, the Return of the Joker. Well, I picked this up, and you 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 didn't get your comics on Wednesday, so yeah. I, I texted you. I think it was Thursday, mm-hmm. and said, "Holy fuck, Batman! You need Scott to read this motherfucking shit. Schneider." I've been saying it. Time and again, hear me now. If, if you, if you haven't gotten the idea yet, we love this book. Holy shit. Yeah. 
picked it up and it was just like, oh fuck, I can't put it down. This is the return of the Joker. And, and man, does he come back in style. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is, and you said you'd heard Snyder talking about it and he referenced mm-hmm. this person. And I know you said that when you were reading the Joker's lines, and I know when I was reading the Joker oh, yeah. lines, it was Mark Hamill's voice oh, in my absolutely. head from, absolutely. from the Batman the Animated Series I mean, saying those lines. Don't get me wrong. If it was Joe DiMaggio's voice in my head, I would still be okay with it <laughs> because I think he did a phenomenal Joker in Under the Red Hood. Yeah. Uh, but it just seems like these lines just seem ha- to be said oh, they were. by Hamill. Yeah. They were written with Hamill in mind. Yes. I mean, that's what Schneider has said is that he wants to shake Mark Hamill's hand, not just because he was Luke Skywalker, but because he voiced the greatest Joker of our generation. I mean, it's iconic. The fact that you and I both can't read this book without hearing his voice just goes to show how iconic he truly is as the voice of that character. There's somebody going, but I was re- but I was hearing the voice of Cesar Romero, so screw you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, again, if you that, were, that, then go take your Geritol and go to sleep. It's past your bedtime. Anyways. They could be listening to this on their morning run. How do you know it's past their bedtime? All right. Let's get back to the actual story and and the fact that this is the Joker returning. He had his face cut off at the first first arc in Batman. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, the first arc in Detective. Detective Comics. Yeah. And he's now shown back up and he wants his face back. Well, And and then he wants something else. Well, what's been said is that Dollmaker didn't catch him. He did this on purpose. Yes. The his getting his face removed was in fact making a point. Yep. And in the book, it's even asked, you know, what was that point? And Batman says, "I don't know yet." Yeah. There is a reason for it, and it does tie back into the story. More than that, too, what Snyder has also said is that this is Joker angry. Joker is in fact mad, and we have not seen him like this before. <laughs> oh, uh, well, he, he's in there. We've to, seen him depressed. To, to, he, we've seen him. Maybe a little upset. We've seen him often. This is Joker pissed. Yeah. He is utterly pissed because he sees Batman. He, he's, he's not out for carelessly hurting people. No. He's out to, to poignantly, purposefully, and well, pointedly hurt people. Well, and, and no, 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 no. It's not even that. It's, yeah. it honestly, it's not even really that. That, well, he his actions is, in this, that, that's part of the difference. Well, that, that's, the thing is, is that he sees himself, or actually he sees Batman as the king of the heroes. And he sees himself as the court jester. Very, very specifically. In the sense that he's the only one that can tell the king the bad news. And, and not he, have his head chopped off. And not have, well, not so much not have his head chopped off, or maybe die doing it anyway, well, but whatever. Was, he well, sees, the jester was always the one that could point out the king's faults. False, right. And be and able that's ex- to live. And that's exactly what he's doing. He feels that Batman, having brought in his family... his Exactly. He's that got by all having these a family, people working for him. It, it, the whole Batman Inc. idea. Yeah. And he feels that because of that, it's brought Batman down from the pedestal that Joker has put him on. Batman lost his So identity. Joker's going to put him back on his pedestal by fixing the problem for him. Getting rid of everybody in the way. By getting rid of everybody that makes him weak. And if he has to, he'll get his hands dirty along the way. Which is a very new change for Joker. Normally he does things from the shadows. Not necessarily from the shadows, but he has his patsies and other people that... He's got a lot of stooges. Goons and whatnot. This one, one Joker's taking it personally. So he's getting in there, and we've seen what happens when Joker does it himself. A la Barbara Gordon. and nasty... 
and it's I was reading this and literally getting butterflies in my stomach in the middle of the book, just going, Ooh, what's, Oh, I, what's going to happen. I don't get that from, I read horror comics left and right. I never get that feeling. This book scared the shit out of me. Yeah, it, it does. This really is a horror comic with, with the Joker as yeah. the, as the, star as the monster. Yeah. An absolute monster. Oh, Fantastic. Oh. Uh, I feel bad for future Batman writers that are trying to put the Joker in a story because they're, they're, they're well, dealing with this. And, and, no, and this I is mean, still an ongoing and we, it may not hold up, but if it continues like this, they're going <laughs> to yeah. – the bar has just been raised a fuck uh, ton. Absolutely. And this isn't unprecedented. I mean, if you go no. back to like uh, you know Long Halloween and you go back to The Killing Which, Joke or you go back to uh, uh, the Death in the joke, Family. Yes. I mean, Death in the Family, yeah. I, I mean, this bar has been notched up time and time again. With going to the new level with Schneider – it just makes me more excited for who's going to take it up next. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying it's going to be more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be easy, but that doesn't mean it can't be done. Um, and, and just a solo book tie-in, or two solo book tie-ins. Uh, oh, okay. Batgirl, real quick, um, is at the tail end of the book, they start to tie it in to the, to the Joker because of the killing joke, which is right. where Barbara got shot by the Joker, putting her in the wheelchair. Um, so Making the, her Oracle. Not a whole lot of tie-in, and I'm almost disappointed that they actually gave it an official tie-in with pro- promoting it as much as they were. Mm-hmm. Um, the other t- one was Batman and Robin, which has a lot of allusions to it. Like, you actually see Robin studying the Joker because they know he's back, mm-hmm. but they, there's, but it doesn't actually tie in and deal with Robin versus the Joker or, or Batman Let and me- Robin dealing with the Joker. They have their own caper to solve. Yeah. But it's in the background there, which is kind of an interesting little tie-in. Well, let me ask uh, really quick, because you say that uh, Robin's actually studying Joker. This is Damien. Because yes. in the Batman book, Damien is almost kind of dismissive of the Joker. In Batman and Robin, is he starting to actually it, take him seriously? Yeah, it, it's like the step right after after Batman. Mm-hmm. Okay. we The events of Batman occur, then the events of Batman and Robin occur. Okay. So he he's being told, no, you have to take this seriously. So here and now you go. there Here's he actually the is. Okay. Gonna, yeah. Um, and the other tie-in, which isn't a tie-in quite yet. Well, it is sort of in the sense that at the end of the Batman, there's another short story right yeah. after it, which Schneider has been yeah, doing. Batman in has books, been having a second story at the end, which is great. Yeah. And it's a very short one involving Harley Quinn. Yes. And we don't know exactly how she got pulled in just yet, but like you said, we well, start part, to part see of the that hints story of was that where she was was. Seeing her finally reunited and being pulled in mm-hmm. with, with her first task from, for the Joker. Right. Uh, but we start to see where, where it's going to go with Suicide Squad because it, a lot of the, this book has been dealing with is Harley and whether she's, yeah, Harley Quinn or, or Harleen Quinzel. Right. So it, it's that dual, they're dealing with the dual personality there mm-hmm. of Harley, Harleen Quinzel and, uh, Harley Quinn. Right. And yeah, how she feels about the Joker, and yeah, so this book is really interesting because it also deals with her budding relationship with Deadshot that's been happening while the Joker's been away. Right. So it'll be interesting because Suicide Squad does get pulled in a little bit into the Return of the Joker, if I remember correctly, in about two issues. Uh, yes. I think it's yes, December that it's going to be involved in. Right. Uh, So, but they're dealing with the Suicide Squad ties in because they're dealing with the character of. Harley and how she's dealing yeah. with Deadpool and, you know, 
how she deals with herself. As Dead being, shot. Or, yes. Yeah, I know. I do it all the time. Yep. Yeah, I, I think I've, you've corrected me on that during the show several times. Yep. Oh. Uh, so that, her, her relationship with Deadshot and, you know, and who she is with that dual personalities. Uh, overall, they wrapped up an arc pretty much with Suicide Squad. Yep. In this, in the issue 13. Yeah. Well, this is the end of the whole who's the traitor inside the squad. Yeah. Shtick that they've been going on. Um, a, uh, definitely a lineup change at the end of this. The standard character killed per book. Got, actually, I think uh, there were two in this book, actually. Three, if you count the traitor as well. Okay, yeah. So, and th- then again, it, it is, you know, comic books, so we don't know, you know. Yeah, who, they're, they're not who really dead. appears dead, but isn't dead. It was just a flesh wound. Yeah. So, uh, oh, but yeah. The dates? Suicide Squad 14 will be part of the Joker Returns. Okay. So, so next issue. Next one. Oh, okay. Yep. Alright, All right. so, yeah, actually, we'll be November's next, the next issue yep. of Suicide Squad. Uh, Suicide Squad's actually been a pretty solid book. Yeah, it hasn't been exemplary, I think. I mean, it hasn't, it hasn't been astounding, but it hasn't been bad. It's it's kept up a good pace. Yeah. It hasn't slumped off. Well, we'll have it's to see. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. I, I will definitely say that. There's a lot of people that I think would read Suicide Squad and get very bored with it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the fact that we both like it, I think, is at least testament that it's non-shitty. <laughs> yeah, I, it's... You gotta be willing to put up with the fact that they're going to be killing characters off. That's yeah, part left of, and right. That's I, part of the joy of it. Is, okay, actually, who's gonna die? Who's gonna die? So, there some it, of it is. And, and you, you know, know what it is? To, it's waiting to see who's gonna be the Kenny. Well, the, the, yeah, somebody is the Kenny, but the other part of it is, you know, is you're, you're reading and going, okay, well, it's not gonna be Kyle, and it's not gonna be Cartman. Cartman. Yeah. There, there are a couple of characters in there, you know it's not gonna be Harley. Yeah. yeah. Because she's just too much fun. Sometimes that takes away from the fun of this book. Is well, who is it going to be? And th- th- there were moments in this one where you're kind of going, okay, but yeah, it's, some, it, they, it's, it they, goes they back. Edge it. I mean, they edge it around. Then they do the they've line. They've done a wonderful job of edging that line yeah. because there's so well, many. And something else that's good about it too is that the characters that they do kill off, it's never. Ju- it's not the Kenny death. It's not the yada yada. We're doing stuff. Oh look, I got you know a frozen turkey fell out of a sky and hit the guy in the head, and then the popper shot off you know it's actually relevant within the pace of the story and makes sense so it's not just needless random yeah. death just to stick one in there but it but it is yet. nice that it's called the suicide squad and somebody tends to die yeah because right? makes sense to me well the, the problem is is there's so many and it's a problem that we have with tv shows with movie mm-hmm. not not quite as much with movies but sometimes with movies and even with comic books themselves there are Set characters that you know are going to live. And we mentioned it with Harley in Suicide Squad. You know, if you're reading a Batman comic book, Batman doesn't die. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's... Because, uh, who is it? Was it Peter Bubba that calls it plot armor? Yeah. Bubba, it, I think. Th- these are people that are integral to the story. That they're the central characters. You're not going to see one of them die. Yeah. And there are shows that periodically actually break that. That was one of the great things about Lost. Is they would have characters that had been on the show for a long time that were loved and dear. And you thought were going to be important. And, and then they gone. take them out. Yeah. Yeah. So. And you always got to think, how can the show go on without that character? Well, well, because you haven't gotten to that part of the story yet. <laughs> Once they're dead and you get to that part of the story, you'll go, okay, that makes sense of why they're dead now. Well, or it, now they're going to have to figure something else out. That's part of the fun is how do they figure this out when they don't have that person? Right. But there are, but even with Lost, you still, you know, okay, well, Sawyer and Jack and Kate are probably going to be safe. Probably. Yeah, they, but even they, at they that, have, it's They have still... a lot of plot armor. 
they have a lot of plot armor, but that plot yeah. armor is not impenetrable. Yes. Whereas Suicide Squad, oh, even people like Harley Quinn have a lot less plot armor than yeah. most of the other series, even in the, throughout the rest of DC Comics oh, yeah. and most other I, comics. And more than anything else, I mean, if they need her on another book, she can get taken out of this one pretty easily. Well, if they need her on another book, they're not going to take her out from this book. They're going to, she'll just not be on the next mission. She'll mm-hmm. be hijacked. She'll be. They'll put her on the bus. So, all right, uh, other books from well, uh, DC, I know. We, it, uh, I think this is actually la- Oh, no, not the last one out of DC. So you had a couple no. that you wanted to hit on as well, but yeah, this is the last one that we shared. Um, Phantom Stranger, this is the number one. This is the new start of Dan Dio's book. Yes. Which has been, had a lot of intro stuff coming into it uh, as part of the Free Comic Book Day books, the big tie-in books, and he had a zero issue, I believe, yes. last month. Last month was a zero. I have to say that... as. I think I almost got overhyped for this book. I was really, really, really excited for it. And while not a bad book, it didn't quite scratch that itch I was looking for. It was still very good. It was still an excellent book, and I'm definitely going to keep getting it. This is actually a great one-shot. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's what it was. I was expecting to get a much bigger, deeper, like, big plot push off the get-go, and it's just not there. The only overarching plot is the main premise of the character that he's got the 30 pieces of silver. Which I think is down to 28 now. And if he betrays somebody, he can cause one of them to knock off. And he believes that if he loses all all 30 of those silver, mm-hmm. he'll finally be able to rest. Right. And yeah, in the zero issue and in this issue, he has lost a silver. Yes. Uh, so the which, question is, is, yeah, is that the only overarching story, which I think is going to make this a, a slow plotting book, particularly for... What DC Might Comics be. have been recently. Mm-hmm. I think though, because of, there's, there's actually almost a second story at the end. Where yeah. we actually see another side of the Phantom Stranger than what's told in the first Which main story. Which I don't think has ever been shown before. This, as far as I know, is a completely new plot thread for this character. Well, but at the very end of that, there, there's one panel that links into what's probably the overarching main story for him, which is probably what this series is aimed at mm-hmm. and leading into the Trinity War. Yes, there, yes, there, yes, yes. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah. And, and that may be the main arc for the first cu- period or so. Well, considering that's what was really pushed in the Zero kind of issue, that would make a lot more sense to me. Yeah. And that the premise of the character is going to end up being more of the MacGuffin for the main subplot. It's kind of weird to put it that way. Like, the main plot is the secondary to the subplot, which is the primary, as far as where the meat of the story is really going to be. Well, this book and Team 7, which I'll talk about in a little bit, uh-huh. uh, are both aimed, I think, as being like a year long. Maybe they'll stretch them a little bit longer than that. Of here's an arc for the story we're going to tell you in 12 issues. That's going to lead into something. In this one case, I think this is going to lead into the Trinity War. Mm-hmm. Phantom Stranger, I think, depending on what they decide to do with Trinity War, they may be able to continue running after that. With I Team so. 7, I think they have a definite endpoint okay. set. And I think they're kind of going, we'll tell some fun stories. If it's really selling well, maybe we'll add in a couple of extra stories. Kind of fluff it out But a we're going to have to eventually do the full arc because it has to end. Because the end of that story is, is the beginning the start of, of everything else. Oh, it's the beginning of the Suicide Squad. Yeah. And Which we've already seen. other things that are going on in the DC Universe because mm-hmm. of that. There are heroes that have shown up that we can see tied in with Team 7. Right. So uh, we've got one other uh, shared comic that we're going to talk about before I go in. Actually, I'll f- let me finish my Team 7 review. Okay. Since yeah. we're already on it. Um, Team 7, uh, issue number one came out. They had a zero issue last month. 
and I was thoroughly disappointed and thought that the decision that was made between the Zero Issue and this book sucked. The team goes out on its first mission, and they basically recap the entire Zero Issue as they go along this mission. Yeah, that's boo. Yeah, if you're going to do a Zero Issue where you introduce me to each of your characters, then don't reintroduce me to all of your characters in the first issue. Yeah. And I realized that, you know, you want to do that in the first issue, but give me a unique story for the Zero Issue. Give me an event that happens that makes somebody go, we need to form a team on this as the last line of the book, and then give me the, the introduction and, yeah, to all the characters in Team get, 7. Get to it and move on. I mean, there's no reason to rehash it, no they reason to review. They start on their first mission, which is probably going to be at least two issues, maybe longer, mm-hmm. and start to introduce the the main arc of what, where they're going. Right. But they spent so much time going, this is this person, and this is what I like, but here's why where their faults are. And they did that for every character. So somewhere along the line, and I'm blaming the editor for this, because he should have said, no, this is not what we need as a zero issue, because yeah. that's a lot of... Because it felt very much of, here's just the same type of a recap, rehash um, from the first issue to the second one. So, okay. all right. Uh, going back to the last shared thing that we read. And this we actually got as a... Solicitation. Somebody sent this to us and said, hey, can you guys review this? So, Which, yeah, absolutely. We will. Yeah, we, we take solicitations. We love to read through new stuff, things we maybe wouldn't see normally. And that's one of the points of the show is to get some things that you haven't heard about to you so that you can check them out. So that there's if there's something interesting, you'll go, hey, let me check that out. Yeah. Let me read that. Uh, this one is Archaeologists of Shadow. This Ar- is from nope. Architects of Shadow. No, it's Archaeologists of Archaeologists? Shadow. Archaeologists? Yes, okay. it is. Okay. From Septagon Studios, which as far as I know is, uh, th- I believe this is the only book from the studio. Uh, from the last time I checked, I, I think that was the case. This is their big push. Uh, what we have is the volume one of this. There is going to be, I believe, up through a volume four. And in this volume one, there are four chapters. This is an introduction to the world mm-hmm. and to who the Architects of Light and Architects of Shadow are. Yes. And there are two forces that are actually working together, opposite sides of the same coin. The architects of Shadow are the ones working behind the scenes Mm -hmm. with the mythology of the world. And the architects of light are the ones that are actually working above ground and acting as an active resistance. We should mention this is a very... government. Yeah, this is a very... I hesitate to say steampunk, although that's... It's the very- closest genre approximation you can get to it. Uh, this is a society that is being forcefully mechanized. Uh, a- there are elements of religion throughout this. Strong, yeah. strong threads of religion. Yeah, and it's not to say that it's a religious book, but there are parallels to yes. religion. So if yeah. you, if you know your religion either as an actual religious person or of having studied the Bible mm-hmm. as literature, uh, you will definitely see the tie-ins and, oh, yeah. and, and how things fit together of, yeah, this is what we're told, so this is what we follow, yeah. you know, and the mechanization of the population. Mm-hmm. Well, what we should say, I think probably before anything else, is about half of what we saw, or half of what we got, was the actual story itself. The second half was the the uh, art and the... And- the, the making of. Yeah, a, a, a brief letter from the writer and the artist yep. talking about how they got together and created the project, where mm-hmm. the ideas came from. 
and then a bunch of pages from the artist of all the of concept stuff. Concepts. There's a word in there. I was trying to get out. Concept <laughs> is what it was. Not not just concepts though, but actually some of it was like the original breakdowns. proofs, and then yeah, yeah. like the, the step by step process. Yeah. Everything from here's like the the thumbnail sketch of how the page mm-hmm. is going to look to the finished product. Oh yeah. To here is how we actually did character designs mm-hmm. and pictures Which, of the sculptures that he actually made. Yeah. Of the characters. Yeah, because there's some that started actually as, like, a model shot, and then they went from the model shot to a clay sculpture, and then from the clay sculpture to the art in the book, hmm. which, doing that process, I have to say, has created an art style in this that is, you know, it, it's beyond reproach. The it's art in this is book. phenomenal. It truly is beautiful. It's... It- well, some of it is all, is also that they show you the everyday objects that they used mm-hmm. as the concepts because one of them is like here's a shower head, yeah, and they take part of that shower head, they use the, the, the design and texture of it, and they put that, and they use that as the top part of somebody's head, and mm-hmm. then they take maybe a different shower head and use that as the outside, right, and then they take a gear and use that and add it in. Oh, uh, so it's it's a lot of mashup of actual taking photographs and mashing them together to create the character designs, then yeah. sculpting those actual designs in real life mm-hmm. and then taking photos of that and using those photos to be put into Photoshop and Photoshopping the hell out of it oh, yeah, to yeah. create these beautiful pieces of highly detailed textured art. Yeah. Uh, if, if there's one thing that I do did find about the art that I didn't quite like, What's up? I felt it was almost too marred in that monochromatic brownish tone. It was like a sepia deep, yeah, sepia to br- not quite sepia tone, but more of a brownish tone, mm-hmm. and that could very well just be the artist's choice for this volume, and it could be intended to as as things change in the world, they're going to change It'll the color patterns. Yeah, which that makes sense. To... Uh, it could be that that's how we decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, to almost, which isn't to say that the book overall has. I mean, it, it there, it's a four color book. Yeah, but, it's a very vibrant, but, but it it's... has a very much a brown tint to it. Well, I think part of that also kind of comes from the tone of the story as well, because yeah. it is that very industrial, very mechanized, um, which causes you to almost get that kind of oppressed feeling because there's I, no I, I do wide think it open was panoramas. So actually, no, if, if you actually well, I mean, look, I'm, I'm sorry, there are panoramas, but actually, if you look at the first chapter of the of part one, mm-hmm. which we read part one, in the first chapter yeah. of that though, yeah, there's a like four or five chapters in the in the whole four. part four, four yeah. The first one is done almost entirely in close-ups until they step out of the train. Right. And when they step out of the train, that's when you get your, you get first, your first big wide. Ultra wide shot. Yeah. Um, and then there are some larger panoramas after that. I think was also a distinct to keep It was you, a choice. Yeah. Yeah. You're, 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 nar- you're in this narrow place. You're in a small confined place. Yeah. It's, the, it's small the confinement to views. the. Right. The biggest, I think, is shot before then is like of a doorway and somebody standing in it. That's about as wide as you yeah. got when they were in the train. Uh, so definitely a lot of thought behind the choices in the art going into this. Mm-hmm. And if you're reading this on a small screen, that, that could actually be – the it's, amount of detail and texture could actually be detrimental. Yeah, it's going to get lost. Because it, it will feel that there's so much there that it's muddy. Uh, yeah. But if you have that, if you have something nice and big, or if you're looking at it panel by panel on a 
decent sized. I, I used a seven inch mm-hmm. uh, tablet that I borrowed from somebody to read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you read it on a computer screen? I or? did. I was mine was all on uh, on either laptop or desktop, so I, okay. I was able to get a nice big shot of it. Hey, were, were you were you watch, looking at the full page or were you doing it pan? Because I found it was best for me. I, I might look at the full page, but then I had to for then reading it and, yeah. and and looking at it panel by panel. Yeah. To actually see and, and feel the details. Mm-hmm. That might have been better if you had something such as an iPad where it was a full 10 inches and, right. and a much bigger screen than even that 7-inch tablet. Well, that something I that I should mention is that, it, it, as far as I can tell, the PDF in this book is actually formatted not for print. It is formatted for screen. The aspect ratio of the pages works better in a, a standard screen aspect. Than it does for you know the long eight and a half by eleven that we would normally see, yeah. so I mean that again also was a consideration that was done by the by the creators. Yeah. Um, I, it, it was very good though. I liked yes. the story. It, I did find it slow, which to begin with, yeah. And I think I, that's it, it. Was about halfway through the second chapter that I was really going, okay, yeah, yeah. Now I'm getting it, and I think that's intentional as well because they they do want to ramp this up. Like I said, there's going to be more volumes coming out, so. They're definitely making this a, a boulder rolling downhill. Yeah. yeah, it's it's got that that slow buildup of momentum, but this is going to get going in a big, big way. Right. So uh, I do recommend checking it out. Though. That's oh, uh, we didn't even mention the creators of this is Laura, uh, excuse me, Laura Fuentes and Patricio Clary. Yes. So, so uh, good up on you guys. Yeah. Excellent yeah. book. Yes, very good. Um, I'll go ahead and talk about a couple of. Uh, Quick books uh, that I read, uh, um, Solo from You. Yep. Uh, gonna go ahead and start off with Detective Comics. Detective Comics has a new writer. It is written so much better than the, <laughs> than when Finch was writing it and doing the art. Finch is still on the, um, or, uh, Finch, I think, will be back on the art. No, uh, that's, uh, Batman Dark Knight that Finch is doing the artwork. But, uh, with, uh, John Lehman writing Detective, it's been so much better. Uh, I have to see where it goes, though. Out of quick question, yeah. Layman is that the same Layman that does Chew? Uh, no, uh, I have to maybe. look. Yeah, ju- shit. I'm gonna check start, it out. I'm gonna start picking up Detective yeah. again. God <laughs> damn it. Um. So, but yeah, Lay- Layman did a wonderful job. Detective is so much better. Um. Next, I'm going to talk about Legends of the Dark Knight. Um, again, I'm not giving full reviews because we've already spent so much time giving you full. It reviews is of son of a bitch. It's yep. John Layman. There you go. Fuck. I gotta so. pick up another book. <laughs> Damn it. I'm trying to um, cut back on my. Yeah. Alright. So if, if you want, uh, a book, so if, if you like Batman and you like particularly varying takes on Batman, hmm. Legends of the Dark Knight is. Go get Planetary. Oh wait, sorry. No. Legends of the Dark Knight is the book for you. This is the book done the way that I've wanted it to be done. Mm-hmm. It's got multiple writers each telling short stories. These are stories that some are taking place. It seems like everyone in this book, at least, took place in the actual pre-52 universe. Although I think you'll probably see takes both pre and post-52. Because it's allowing... They basically said, here, tell a Batman story. And let the writer and artist come up with the... Whatever they want. With the version of Batman that they want to tell. Mm -hmm. There was a Robin story... Oh, so this is going to be the Rocketeer book of the the, uh, DC universe. Uh, Very similar. But what I love about it is... But without the pinup art. It's Legends of the Dark Knight. Dude, if they do a fucking Bruce... Wayne pinup, no. I will burn that goddamn book. There, there are no Bruce Wayne pinups in this Good. book. Uh, but they do a wonderful Sorry, job ladies. of just letting... Yeah, it, it reminds me of what they did with Batman Black and White that they used oh, to okay, at the yeah. end of yeah, Detective yeah. Comics. Where, here, 
here's your, here, just tell a Batman story. And it can be a bit off the wall because it's, a, in this case, it's a legend. It's yeah. a story that somebody was told. And as we or all know, telling. as the stories are told, things change from what the truth is to what, to it what is told. Right. So that, that's what I love about this book is it's just people, um, in this book, you actually, Damon Lindelof, one of the writers from Lost. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Lemire. You know, so. Uh, it, I, I know how you I feel. I want to like him. But. I, I really do. Well, I just had so much fun reading Legends of the Dark Knight because okay. it's like, ooh, that was a fun little take. And even if you don't like one take, there's another story right after it, or you like really like the one before. So it's a box of chocolates. Yeah, it really is. There you go. Um, okay, point of impact. Speaking of black and white, yeah, all black and white comic. Point of impact uh, uh, from Image, which you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, Image Comics. Uh, Jay Faber's writing this uh, with art by Corey Coronel. Coronel. Uh, Cornell from Soundgarden. No, Coronel, not Cornell. Eh. Uh, I did enjoy the art. Um, the cover's almost, yeah. Is that, is that indicative what, of the inner art? I, pretty close. Okay. Um, the, basically it's a murder mystery story. It uh, seems a, to be fairly norm. grounded in reality. It's not, it doesn't seem like it has mm-hmm. any supernatural or, or fantastic elements. Or fantastical elements. Okay. Uh, it's gonna be, a, it's a one of four, so, you know, head out there, pick it up. If, if you like a crime mystery noir story, yep. uh, Faber um, has just finished off his run on Near Death, which was the ah, hitman okay. that decided he no longer wanted to let people get killed, uh, <laughs> which I was enjoying. So I figured I'd go ahead and pick this up. It's one of four, so it's not going to last that long. I knew Faber's name sounded familiar, but I couldn't remember <laughs> what it was from. Okay. No, I know. And uh, lastly, uh, back to DC with Anakami Girls uh, featuring Wonder Woman. Yeah. Anakami girls have been out for quite a while as figurines. We've seen in Diamond uh, month after month after month. Yeah. Well, this as, is the as, first comic appearance of right. them. This is actually based off of those figurines. Okay. The figurines did really well. They started doing online web comics based on those figurines. And what they've done is they've collected those comics and put them together as as a print version. Okay. So um, you can actually you know, buy Anakami girls uh, from whatever online store you buy. Yeah. Your, or from um, Diamond. your digital comics from yep. Diamond, Digital Diamond or uh, uh, Comicsology. Comicsology. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they were originally designed as web-only comics. It's a world that's focusing on the female comics or mm-hmm. f- female superheroes. Yeah. Uh, this is Wonder Woman. Uh, it's written by Jimmy Palmiotti, Justin Gray, art by Amanda Connor. So in that, it's, you know, it's a it, it's a good team, good solid team. It's a Variant of Wonder Woman's origin in this. That's the main story. Mm-hmm. Variant of Wonder Woman's origin, her coming. However, there is hints in the background as you start to see some of the uh, villains. And again, it's all female villains. Mm-hmm. That the female villains are working together. There's a larger plot coming. Okay. So it'll be interesting to see. I think the, the next one is featuring Supergirl, I think. Or uh, if not, I think it's Batgirl. Okay. Uh, so if if you like that idea, if you, if you li- like the statues and you didn't mm-hmm. know they had the book out. Worth picking up. Yep. Okay. Um, moving on to some news. Actually, I'm going to hit something that we didn't talk about earlier, but you mentioned <sighs> Comixology and it made me think of it. Okay. Uh, Comixology has announced that they have a new, I hesitate to say new app, but a redesign of the Comixology for Kids app that's available for iOS and from the people that have reviewed it, uh, I think Geek Dad was the one that I saw it from. They love the new version of it. Before, the interface was kind of clunky. It didn't work very well. 
Comixology itself got a big uh, upgrade not too long ago. And for those that use Comixology, if they are going to get things for their kids on the kids' version as well, this will look very, very similar to you. It's that same format, the nice uh, big panels on the front page for all the different comics, uh, all your standard, you know, Archie and Popeye and Casper, you know, all those. A lot of kids' comics. Things. Well, it's completely kids' comics, so. I'm sure that you'll start to see, like, the Superman family. Or yeah, that, that actually, that was Spi- on there. Adventures mm-hmm. of Spider-Man based, or Ultimate yep. Spider-Man based off the cartoon. Yep, yep. So. Um, I don't know if some of the more tradey type stuff would be in there, like, uh, Gosmer or the Powerpuff Girls that I know I got for my daughter not too long ago. Yeah. Um, but if you have kids, or your kids like comics, and you haven't been real happy with the app previously, Check it out again. It's got a big upgrade. It's worth looking at. And the companies are all getting happier to release things digitally. So even yeah. if there's not a large library now. There will be. Yeah. It's, it's coming got, soon. It's got to be coming. Okay. Now, a story that I know you're going to like. Mm-hmm. And I saw this and go, ooh, that's news Justin I know will love. And that's partially because normally we don't just report on things that are coming out. Yeah. Uh, but I knew you would really enjoy seeing this. And that is there's a new Jim Butcher Dresden comic coming. Written by Jim, all new story. Well, it's written by Jim, but it's also co-written with Mark Powers. Right. Which I think probably means more along the lines that Jim probably wrote the, like he did the scripting and the story of it, and Mark Powers probably converted it to a comic format. That, or, or Jim basically gave you, gave the outline, did the, did the plotting, and Jim wrote the, and Mark wrote the script. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joseph Cooper is doing the art for this. Which is interesting because, Jim has just finished Cold Days, the next book that's going to be in the Dresden universe. That's right. coming out in November, uh, end of November, actually. Uh, which that and the Iron, next Iron Druid Chronicles book are coming out same day. So, uh, I may be taking a Tuesday off, uh, next month. <laughs> but anyways, and, uh, this is actually a completely new story. This right. is outside of anything that's in the novels. It's called Ghoul Goblin. Yeah, called Ghoul Goblin. Uh, and what I find most intriguing about this is Jim has said when he's done writing a Dresden book, he has to go write something else. He, he's like, I'm, I'm sick of this guy. I can't hang out with him anymore. <laughs> you know, he, he's like, I love the guy, but yeah, you I, hang out with him once. And you, well, he, <laughs> he, lo- he loves the guy, but he puts him through hell. I yeah. think partially because he's just so sick of dealing with him after a while. So he also, at the same time, has done three short stories with Dresden uh, where he takes on Bigfoot as a client. It's pretty funny. Uh, they have been released in three individual anthology was books. for the Hendersons? No, Bigfoot okay. uh, was having problems at college. So, I love Dresden. Um, those have all been released. My horse. I would have uh, admitted yeah. to that you're in college. Uh, <laughs> he has said he's looking to take those three individuals and put them together along with the new anthology books. He has other side stories that he's wanted to collect together and put out. But he doesn't want to do it until he has enough of them to really make it worthwhile. I'm curious if this is going to end up being a story that might get included in with those. Right. Just because it's something else that he can, you know, pad out that book with and make actually make it worth, uh, fiscally to print. Yeah. Um, and particularly if, if Jim wrote it as an actual story and just let yeah. you know, Mark adapt it for comic. Uh, Absolutely. That could be the case. You know, but I know they said that Jim has been actively editing mm-hmm. the Dresden comics that come out, even if he's not. Oh yeah, well he he has writing. a very strong hand in his universe, which is why uh, in Q and A sessions he said he will never ever play the RPG game that has been developed for the Dresden universe. His reason being, he's like, well, number one, I would be the absolute worst player ever. Can you imagine the person trying to DM me? You know, they make a, a calling on a rule, and I would sit there and argue, no, that is how it is, and if I have to, I'll write it in the next book to make it that way. 
He'd be the, wor- the, the worst Munchkin player ever. And if he's oh, the, if, if he's, he's the, playing Munchkin, he'd really well, yeah, he'd be great at it. Yeah. But if he's the GM, then he's like, eh, nah, screw it. It's too much like work. Yeah. So, so okay. So he can't do role playing. Yeah. Um, so, uh, we'll go ahead and move on to, uh, another comic that we love in an upcoming project that yeah. may evolve from that. And that's, uh, BBC Worldwide Productions and Quality Transmedia are looking at adapting Peter Panzerfaust. Which I seriously hope will be live action because... Uh, well, they're looking at doing two things. They're mm-hmm. looking at doing a live action as well as a motion comic. Which I think the motion comic is going to end up being a misstep. Well, apparently they've done some projects together in the past, both companies, and mm-hmm. they've been rather successful as motion comics, which is why they're looking at doing this. Which, Let me... motion comics, for those of you who don't know, they take a still comic, they take some of the images and animate it or make it in a 3D so you get some depth of field, yeah. and they add in voice actors. Well, let me put it this way. It's not as fun as watching a real cartoon. Well, I was going to say, how many motion comics have you enjoyed? I haven't. Exactly. I, I, I suffered through the uh, Thor and Loki Brothers motion comic. Uh, Tales and, of Asgard you should watch. But that's not a motion comic. Right. No, that's what I'm saying. You should uh, watch Tales of Asgard. It, it wasn't was a bad story. It was just bad that it was a motion comic. The same thing happened to me when I was trying to fight my way through uh, Iron Man Extremis. Uh, Which, from what I've heard, is supposed to be an excellent, excellent storyline, but God, it was, it was like, you know what it was? It was like listening to a knife on a bottle. And Extremis is going to be the plot of the upcoming Iron Man series in the Marvel Now the, relaunch, so. The, well, that's what we've heard. Uh, or actually, uh, no, no, we've no, heard that, that X-Men from, 3 is going to be the well, Extremis storyline as well. Yeah, but the, uh, in the, in the Marvel Now preview, they actually talk about Extremis being oh, part of the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's um, right. anyways, back to the BBC. I, what the BBC likes about this is the historical aspect of Peter Pan in World War II France. Yeah. They, and so I'd love to see a live action series because they could really build out with these, this cast of characters that we all know mm-hmm. and just focus and spend a lot of time dealing with what's actually going on in France during that time yeah. of the war. I would like to put in my vote now to make Matt Smith Peter. Because <laughs> one, it's, it's Matt Smith. He's Doctor Who. He's awesome and he's going to be ending his season soon. So he'll have some free time. Yeah, Let him do it. Might be a bit old for Peter. The, 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 these are supposed to be orphans, so you're looking 12, 13. Eh, whatever. Yeah, dealing, being that it's war, I think they're going to have to look at thir- 12 to 14 year olds. I do, I will say I'm glad BBC older, is doing this because yeah. if this was done in America, they would totally fuck it. Which, up. which is part of my problem with it because I have no idea if we'll be able to get our hands on it. I, I bought Doctor but, Who off of iTunes. I'll yeah. buy this too. Yeah, I think I, it'll be worth it. Yeah, we'll just have to wait a little bit till it's available from iTunes. Mm-hmm. Or try and pirate it off of, P- or get it off of PBS if they air it there like they do Sherlock. Well, but, depends on if, uh. Well, well Sherlock airs PB, air, or Sherlock airs on PBS. Usually yes, it's part of Masterpiece Theater. It's, it's part, it's after, but it's after it airs in Britain. Right. But before it's released on iTunes or anything else over here. So. Correct. Alright. No, I'm saying that depends if PBS will stick around, but we'll get to that story later. <laughs> um, next up is uh, talking about Mr. Stanley. We actually have a, quite a few stories about yep. Stan. He's, uh, been rather active recently, and perhaps because he just had a pacemaker implanted. Well, actually, I think that's why he hasn't been that active, but it does go to show that the uh, Stanley, who uh, turns 80, or sorry, uh, turns 90. 90 in December. God bless him. Uh, uh, absolutely. But, you know, with as much as he has done for the modern comic book industry, uh, uh, but he is recovering nicely from the mm-hmm. pacemaker surgery. So, uh yeah, hopefully uh, he will continue to do well. Yeah, oh, yeah. He, he has had to miss some engagements because of the surgery, but yeah, it sounds like everything is going well. He's put out a press release that he's doing well uh, through uh, Pow Media, his his company. Right. 
And uh, so we're looking forward to him being able to do other things. Speaking of his as, company. Uh, yep. Uh, such as uh, on October 20th when he will uh, be receiving the Savannah College of Art and Design Lifetime Achievement Award. Mm-hmm. So uh, hopefully he may be up and around and able to actually receive that award live and in person on the 20th as opposed to – From Skype. bed with a camera yeah. on him. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I can't be there, you know, medical yeah. reasons. <laughs> But it's, but at least he'll be around to get it. Yeah, he. he I wonder if he'd have to give him a doctor's able. note. Yes, yeah, like I, sorry, I can't be there. I'm absent. Here's my doctor's note. He needs a doctor's note, absolutely. Okay, um, and he'll need it uh, embroidered, st- <laughs> uh, st- or stamped, uh, or uh, notarized. Yeah, notarized. Yes. Uh, however, uh, he does. There is a little interesting story in the news with his name, and that is that Stanley Media Incorporated is suing Disney, which is Marvel's parent company, right? Over the characters that Stanley has created. Which now, this just is ridiculous. Well, we mentioned a while ago about Stanley being in a legal battle with Stanley Media over the rights of his name. Right. Because Stanley Media Incorporated is not Stanley. It's a company that he was at one point affiliated with but is no longer. However, Probably because of douchebaggery dumb shit like this. Well, what Stanley Media Incorporated is saying is that in no, in October of 1998, Stanley signed over the rights of his characters to SLMI, mm-hmm. which means that SLMI owned the rights as of October. So that in November, when Stanley signed them over to Marvel, he didn't have the rights to sign over. And what the, what SLMI is looking for is the money that Marvel and by proxy Disney have made from all of the Marvel movies recently. This to me sounds like just it's a legal stab in the dark to try to get a payoff. Especially when you're dealing with Disney's lawyers. Disney is yeah. a large, large company. They have very good and they have very, very well paid lawyers. And very deep pockets to pay them from. Yeah. These guys will be lucky if they see the light of day with the amount of paperwork that Disney can pop onto them. Oh yeah. Uh, eventually this will get all solved out. Uh, but, uh, speaking it, of legal it'll battles. Be interesting. Yep. After seven months and three total lawsuits, legal battles between uh, Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore over The Walking Dead have finally been figured out. About, about damn time, you guys. They, they kept the uh, arrangements on the settlement uh, closed, so we don't really know what happened there. But, but whatever. As long as it's settled. Yep. Good job, you guys. Move okay. On. Uh, moving on to uh, Harvey Dakar, classic cartoonist, best known for his work, American Splendor. And he's actually going to be honored in a place that I actually have probably been passed, if not inside of, uh, the Cleveland Heights Public Library. My grandparents lived in Cleveland Heights for a long time. My parents grew up in that area of Yeah, town. two things you want to talk about from Cleveland on this. Uh, I, I can't help, but there, there are specific reasons, but... Uh, hey, if shit happened I mean, in Daytona, Picard, I would put it too, but shit never happens there. Yeah, but Harvey Picard's from Cleveland, and through a Kickstarter campaign, they were able to raise up the money to actually... Um, Open to actually be able to get this statue mm-hmm. and dedicate it to him in the library, based on his the work that he's done with his graphics and illustrated arts. Okay, uh, are they going to make a big bronze statue of him with his boxing gloves on at the top of the stairs? Uh, wrong guy, but it will be actually it will be a bronze. Actually, statue. it'd be freaking awesome if they did that, anyways, just because it'd be it, hilarious. It is a bronze statue. Um, by the way, if you have not seen American Splendor, either read the comic book or seen the movie, mm-hmm. the movie was has turns out to be about the fourth, if I remember correctly, fourth best comic book movie ever. 
So well, the fourth best based upon based uh, on ratings it. and gross earnings. Right. And we'll actually discuss what my criteria is for this in a later show. Yeah. Uh, because we'll go over what the best comic book movies of all time are. And, and why. Yeah. And why, how we came up with those numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving on to the other Cleveland story is yep. the Cleveland Hopkins International Airport is about to open up a permanent Superman exhibit. Uh, this is because Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster are both from Glenville, Ohio. I thought they're from New York. Nope. Siegel and Schuster are from Glenville, Ohio. Hmm. They ra- uh, the uh, Siegel and Schuster Society raised $50,000 to create the exhibit, which will open up on October 11th. Uh, they kind of, one of the things that they want is for, to be walking oh, so to the airport. Oh, actually opened say, up a uh, few days ago. Yep. Okay. Uh, so they actually want people to be going, okay, well, I'll meet you at Superman. I'm going to go use the restroom. Yeah. And then I'll meet you at Superman. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. I'm going to get a vodka martini. I'll meet you at Superman. Make okay. it at center point. They'll have a giant statue of Superman. You can get your photo taken with. There'll be Superman exhibits. You know, and so they're turning the fun. airport into a theme yeah. park. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were, yeah, the society's run is as, of course, members from all over, but has also members of the Siegel and Schuster's family involved yeah. with it. Um, so. Being that they are the creators of Superman, who has become the icon as the original superhero, right? Um, it it does make sense, um, and to put it so close to their hometowns, I'm sure they would be happy. Um, if you have a Sony PSP portable, uh, make sure you download all your stuff because they're closing that store. Uh, <laughs> get, well, get all of your comic stuff specifically. Yeah, they're closing the comic store for the PSP. So get that stuff out pronto. Which right. you're reading your comics on the PSP. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, why were you using such a small screen? Yeah, no kidding. Um. Which is probably why nobody used it in their closing. And why they're closing in the first damn place. So, but there if you, you go. do want something that is uh, a great experience reading comics, there's nothing better than the original art. And oh, yes, of course. If, if you want original art, uh, particularly for a comic strip that I know is near and dear to both you and I, yep. we're both huge fans, there is a Sunday comic strip from 1988. 86. 1986. Yep. I'm too far away from the screen. Um, it's, I'm not. That's why I'm here. Yep. It's a 13 by 9 original art piece uh, of Calvin and Hobbes, which... Which, to see something like this going on sale is extremely rare. Watterson has been really tight-fisted with everything Calvin and Hobbes because he created it, he loved it, and he stepped away from it when it was at its height. Well, he stepped away because because he was done telling what he had to say. Exactly. And he always wanted the comic strip to speak for itself. That's why you you can't go to the store and buy... An officially licensed Hobbs doll. Right. As much as we would like to get one for our kids, that's not right, you just available. Can't you, you can go on this Etsy is... and find stuff that's homages, but yeah. you can't find original, authentic merchandise. It's very John McClane, or not John McClane, excuse me, uh, Don <laughs> McClane of him. Yeah. Very American pie, you know. It's... I will never tell you what it is, it'll speak for itself, but. Yeah. And his work does so well. Um, and the only people that have original artwork are friends. That he and a couple of charity and people from some charities right, right. that he raised money for. Um, um, and this is actually a Brian Bassett who was, was given it to him mm-hmm. as, as a personal friend that is selling this. What if Artisan's pissed that he's selling it? Probably um, not. <laughs> but, uh, if, if anything, I, I would imagine Bassett probably went to him and said, look, dude, uh, here's this thing. Uh, I'd like to sell this. Are you cool with it? I, Which I would think if it's, if it's a charity thing, I, I don't see Watterson. Mm-hmm. Getting his hackles up over it. Um, if you're interested, it's going to be um, Heritage Auctions will be auctioning it off November 15th through 16th. So, bring a checkbook. Yeah. Br- <laughs> bring a bank account. Yeah. Bring, bring a, a fucking check- bank because that's probably what you're going to need to buy yeah, it. Yeah. You will definitely need a lot of money. Um, and uh, comics.ha.com should get you pretty close for Heritage Auctions site for it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and search from there. You search from there. Yep. Um, jumping over to games really, really quick. D&D Next has released its latest playtest for the month of October. Uh, in there, they made adjustments to monsters. They released a new adventure in Blendenstone, which is the Smurf Niblin city in the Underdark. Bunch Fun of- to say. Thank you. Um, <laughs> in the previous playtest, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, they released two new classes, the Sorcerer and the Warlock. Uh, they have added in the fighter combat mechanic of combat expertise, which gives them expertise dice. Not a new mechanic. It's existed in other RP systems before. There's been lots and lots of new stuff. If you're not part of the playtest, it's free to do. All you have to do is give them an email address so they can send you some surveys based on, you know, your play experience or what you think of it. It's been really fun to this follow. This is beta testing. The, the, the game is in progress. You'll be playing a character. You'll come back to it and things, uh, the mechanics of how he's played have changed. Will have completely changed. Yeah, this has been a really fun process to be through, to actually see a game a role-playing game designed from the ground up and be a part of it has just been so much fun. I know there's, there's a lot of people out there that they have their version of D and D. It's one that they love and they don't want to do anything else. I can completely understand that second edition was one that I started on. It's the one that's closest to my heart, but damn it. If this just isn't cool, it's just fun. It's a fun game. And yeah, it's also kind of fun. And as the geeky side of you will probably attest to, you kind of want to see how they build it and change it. Well, yeah. So. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's, see, yeah, well, it's not so much the geek, well, the engineer in me, which is kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah, that's the geek in you. Yeah. All right, uh, but other geek news mm-hmm. is Tesla. We, we talked about how the oatmeal wanted to buy the piece of land that Tesla's laboratory was on uh-huh. and turned that into... It still is on, as far as I know. I mean, it's dilapidated, the, the building, but... Yeah, the building is still there. It's had a lot of wear and tear over yeah. the years that uh, needs to be repaired. Oh, yeah. But uh, that oatmeal actually was successful in buying the land. They, they raised the money. The funds were matched from the state. They, they have apparently signed the deal to purchase the land to put the museum there, and they will be using the money that they raised above and beyond what was needed to purchase land mm-hmm. to rehabilitate the house and, and the laboratory to use those as part of the actual museum to put yep. the museum in those buildings. So uh, this just goes to show what the power of crowdsourcing can do. Yes, that was an Indiegogo crowdsource. Mm-hmm. Well, not only this, but the uh, the Harvey Picard was crowdsourced on Kickstarter. Oh, yeah. So yeah, yeah, lots of lots of stuff for maintaining the history of where we come from being crowdsourced. Another thing that arguably is crowdsourced um, heading mm. into DC. I'm um, going to be held at the uh, National Mall, which is where all events of this caliber are held, yep. is the Million Muppet March. Now, because apparently uh, during the debates, uh, Romney said that he wanted to ro- to waterboard Big Bird and was... I don't think that's exactly <laughs> what he said. That's, that's he what was an asked, article I read said. He was asked I saw it if, on the internet, so it must be true. Oh, yeah. What he said was... To fund some of the projects or to cut funding from elsewhere to make the funds available for his projects, one of the things that he said he would do would be to cut funding from PBS. Oh, one of the lowest, smallest, tiniest budgets in the national government, as opposed to the military. Right. Yeah. Which is giving the mili- which is giving the army tanks that the t- army has said, we don't want these tanks and we've got a bunch over in hangars that are just collecting dust because we don't use them. Yep. So, yeah. Hey, let's cut out the small thing instead of the big budgets. Well, All right. the other thing to remember, though, is, and I'm going to throw this out here just because it's it, relevant to my interests, is 
you mentioned the tanks and military hardware being extremely expensive, and it is, but the majority of military budget isn't for the toys. It's for the people. Right. A lot of the the, well, the, the biggest specifically chunk, what just, I was talking about is the Congress actually as far as wasteful spending, but Congress was actually saying you have to take this money to spend on tanks and spend it on tanks. Yes, even though you've got them and got more tanks than you need in hangars, right? Just collecting dust right now. Which that but, has to do more with the budgetary process and the way that yeah, the shit works. Part of the problem is the way that the government works and right. not what we're spending the money on because they there's only so much that they can move it around. Right. Well, it, there's but, that, and there's also that. The whole earmarking process of funds are set aside for this. It has to go to that no matter what because that's what it already was budgeted for. And yep. fuck you if anything else doesn't fit with that right. you scenario can't because it. it's already on. It's Essentially, it's law. This is earmarked for a tank. You can't use it for a plane. Exactly. No, I mean, really. Even let, though they're both military. Well, I mean, because it's proposed as a bill. It goes through Congress. It's passed as a law. It's a year-by-year law. They cannot spend it on anything else legally. Yep. So – but to, to actually get away, Anyways. Uh, even though this is a political, to some extent a political story, to get back to the fun aspect of this, this is about <laughs> bringing the your fun own aspect of politics that the, exists. When you t- when you take your own homemade puppet and you march down to the National Mall, uh, and you sit there and go, "We want to protect the funding that goes to PBS." Hmm. You know, there's something yeah, fun about fun. seeing a mil- about seeing you know probably several thousand people. With their own puppets saying, protect Big Bird, we like Sesame Street. How many of them do you think are going to be giant puppets of dicks that look like Romney? <laughs> I'm thinking uh, a bunch. But being that that's the impetus for this, I Or maybe Romney's with just big dicks. So if you're interested in, in actually bringing a homemade puppet, I'm sure you don't need to bring a puppet. You can just show up yourself. But it's more fun if you bring a puppet. Yeah. It's the fun side is bringing a puppet. And or even, or even better, show up, as, so, show up as schnookums. Or show up in a giant costume. Yeah. You know, yeah, get get your friend and put together a giant Snuffleupagus costume that you're both wearing now on your way down there. Uh, it'll be held November 3rd at the National Mall. In so it'll DC. be nice and cool. You don't have to worry about sweating your ass off. Right. So It's a good time to do it. <laughs> okay. Um, I guess uh, that, that's enough um, for the uh, political aspect. Let's just yeah. go ahead and head into uh, the uh, TV season. Yeah. And, uh, well, uh, let's, well, let's run through the first one really kind of quick because okay. there is a lot more we need to get through. Um, <laughs> Joss Whedon has... Uh, it's supposed tease really more than anything else. Although there is a well, lot, there's more information about it now. It was originally yeah, just names. So I believe this information came out from the New York Comic Con. Yeah. So um, we've got some, we've got a couple of names of characters that will be appearing in the Shield TV series mm-hmm. that he that Joss Whedon is producing. So we've got Sky, and we've got Agent Grant Grant Ward, Agent Althea Rice, Agent Leo Fritz, Agent Gemma Simmons, and. As everybody's favorite agent, Phil. Yep. No, 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 no. His name not Phil. His, his first name is Agent. No, no, no. His name is Phil. Phil yeah. Coulson. Yes, Phil Coulson lives. And he, they appeared... His at- name is Phil Coulson. His name is <laughs> Phil Coulson. They, they actually showed up on stage. Apparently, uh, one of the producers of the show, not Wheaton, Wheaton, was talking about the show. And behind him steps out one of the other producer wearing a shirt that says, Col- Coulson lives. <laughs> so uh, Nice. They have confirmed Agent Coulson will be the primary on the TV show. Nice. Uh, so it, Yay, because he's fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. So uh, if you were a fan of Phil or of Agent, yes, <laughs> he'll be back. Speaking of, he'd made an appearance in the uh, Marvel Now comic. Yes. Which I thought was rather yeah. nice. Yeah. And Maria Hill as well. Yes. So. Well, Maria's been a staple. She's always been there. Yeah. So, uh, uh, But other TV shows, since 
Tis the season for new shows. Yep, it is. And um, I've, I've watched a whole bunch of new shows. You've watched more than I have. I've just been watching the the same old staples that I have from year to year. So. Yes. Uh, well, Grim, Once Upon a Time, Castle. My wife's been watching Covert Affairs, so I get that through osmosis. Yes. Um, um, Grim has been pretty good. Mm-hmm. I'm on the fence about Once Upon a Time. It, well, you're still in first season, though, aren't no, you? No, oh, are, are you I'm, up, up, oh, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm up to date on that. So I've heard a lot of people really... Really, really praising this second it, it, season. I just don't think it grabs me, and I think part of the reason is what I was reading last week when when I was out on vacation, as I went through five uh, graphic novels of fables. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> and that'll it just reminded kinda... me of how amazing Bill uh, <laughs> uh, Bill Willing Bill Willingham's uh, Willingham. stories okay. are. Um, so yeah, I went. Through... I was trying so hard not to say Watterson. Yeah, and so was I. Okay. <laughs> It was the Calvin Hobbes story. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sitting here staring, looking at those five books that I read from Fables. Oh, absolutely amazing. Loved all five of them. Oh, well, one of them was just pretty good, but the rest were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but with the new season of TV shows is out, and I've been checking out a couple of them that tend to have that geek bent, and mm-hmm. um, although actually one doesn't or two don't. Um, well, whatever. But uh. If we're gonna have, go ahead and start alley, off so. with Last Resort. Mm-hmm. This is the show that's made me go, "Oh shit, this is good." Hmm, okay. Part of me, but but it also is walking a very fine line. It, it's, it could go to shit any second. It, it really well could, okay. because it's it's the type of show that you go that when you hear about the premise, you're going, "Oh well, that should just be a movie." Oh wait, it was it was, it was called Hunt for Red October. October. Yeah. Uh, Last Resort is the story of an American nuclear sub that gets an order to fire its nuclear missiles doesn't and is now on the run from the U.S. government. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they actually have hold up at an island that they're using as a fortress, so it doesn't take place entirely in the subs. You don't feel claustrophobic. Uh, and they've actually done an amazing job of giving a fairly decent reason why they didn't fire, why they're standing their ground, and what the problem is and why they haven't been able to return and just mm-hmm. go back into port and, and, you know, and or, or deal with what, it. And what the consequences that they feel they're going to be facing are. Okay. Um, why, why they haven't gone. But it really is kind of that fine line between, you know, where does the, the reality this, be? The, the, the show could go sequest DSV any second. Yeah. And be picked up by aliens and launched to another planet. There yeah. you go. It's really, but it does an amazing job with the tension and stress of what's going on. The, there it definitely has some great characters that it spends enough time that you actually get to focus on just these Mm-hmm. Couple of basic but important characters. Okay. Uh, I, I think if you like BSG, Battlestar Galactica, you probably are going to enjoy this. Okay. Uh, because it deals, there, there's some politics going on, although not a lot yet. It's, it's building more and more. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, the captain and the crew and how the crew are feeling and dealing with the decisions that are made higher up in the food chain. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and you got to see a lot of that type of stuff. So if you like those aspects of Battlestar Galactica, you'll probably like uh, Last Resort. Um, again, okay. again, it's it's a show that could easily go off the rails right. at the last second. But um, right now, three episodes in, it's been amazing. Highly recommend it. And, uh, another one that you're watching is Revolution. And from, I've actually heard not good things about this. It's... Which is surprising because it's Abrams, and Abrams is well, usually the the golden goose. Well, I, I I think he got the golden goose because he did Lost. Um, and the other side of this is Eric Kripke, who did Supernatural. Right. They, they created well, the Ab- show together. Abrams got Star Trek as well. So, 
But he got Star Trek because of because Lost. of Lost, sure. And and he and he he did have a name as being a you know he did Felicity before he did Lost. Yeah, and then he did. So, so uh, he, he, what was he, the... he did have a name for being good. Eight millimeter. Yeah, thank you. Or, no, no, not eight millimeter. The uh, yeah, the super super eight. Super eight. Thank you. Yes. Sorry. Um. Yeah. So he's he's. He's definitely had a big body of work, but part of the re- you know, but a lot of that came from how big of a show Lost was. Oh yeah, if, if well, Lost hadn't been more than big, a show, a phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, it was a, an entire yeah. new version of. It started the the serialized drama trend. Well, it started it on network TV, right? The cable had been doing it for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, but, he showed that it could be done on network TV and done well. And I think part of the problem is they're. Revolution is trying to go after a lot of that lost feeling mm-hmm. of here's something weird it. and strange. And you're missing it. You don't get a chance to really get to know and get attached to these characters very well. Mm-hmm. I think they're jumping between a number of them too much. Uh, I think it, it, a lot of it feels like they're trying too hard to create this big, oh, what this, what's this, this conspiracy that's going on? They, they, they've overwritten the conspiracy where. Yeah. And part well, of the fun that, with that Lost- type of story's been done before. I mean, it, there's really no. It, is there really any reason to rehash that idea? I, Meh. I, reason I'm not watching it. Well, and yeah, you know, they've definitely set in you know some new science effect of why they're dealing with uh, mm-hmm. with this uh, lack of the, power. The la- well, yeah, there, yeah, there's no electricity. Guns have been outlawed by militia groups basically because they want to stay in power. So if they are the only ones with guns. It's a lot easier to stay in power. Yeah, uh, and th- there are some other, you know, science and you know, you know, basically we can't get oil because all everything was run by electronics, so yeah. everything is shut down. Yeah, but if all the electronics were shut down, wouldn't that mean that? Well, I don't know. They they'd all be brain dead, or that they'd all been have been given heart attacks, or well, it d- depends. Sucks on for the does. people that had pacemakers, you know. Well, yeah, definitely sucks for the people with pacemakers, but you know, the. Usually, it depends on what the cause of the failure was. And, and this hasn't been released yet as part of the story. They've kind of hinted at there's something going on. Again, kind of like when they found the hatch. Yeah. And the guy sitting in the hatch typing. Right. But we don't know what it, what it all means. Right. And again, it's giving you that lost feeling of we're slowly kind of revealing some things of what's going on. Mm-hmm. It just feels... It doesn't feel solid or strongly connected. There's too many directions that it's headed... Which I th- Too many question marks at once. Yeah, and I think it's because it's so far. Like with Lost, you could have people heading off and finding water mm-hmm. and having an adventure, and people heading off to find shelter and having adventure, and people heading off to find something else, and they found, and now they're stuck trying to dig out the, uh, I, what was, lock, the big thing that he was trying to, that I just mentioned with the guy inside typing. Oh, the hatch. The hatch, yes. Yeah. Wow, word just <laughs> failed you. Yes. Man. Words fail me. Um, it, well, that it, feel, it anyways. Yeah, and but you kind of felt okay with that because you're on an island. We know you're going to go start exploring to find these things. Yeah, well, you but have with, to to survive. Yeah, but the show it just seems like there there's not strong enough reasons for why they're doing things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. Um, moving on to Elementary. Elementary is the American version of uh, the British Sherlock. show Sherlock. And from what I've heard of this is that the character of Lucy Liu. As Jane Watson is an excellent characterization. It's very well acted, very well done, very believable. But the Sherlock character very much is not. 
He's yeah. like this sort of pretty boy, not necessarily, obviously not dumbass, but he doesn't have that, that rapier sharp yeah, he mind he, that a Sherlock should have. Yeah, th- th- there's something wrong with the way that Sherlock is written in this mm-hmm. that you don't, you know, if you want to use House as, as Sherlock, he doesn't have that type of mind of, you know, he tries, they have Sherlock trying to be an asshole in this show. And he's not an asshole like Sherlock House was. is more than an asshole, though. Yeah, and it, and he, and actually, as it was it, originally it, written, Sherlock wasn't necessarily an asshole. He was just always right and assured in his being right. Right. He was socially awkward. Yes. Or socially inept, if you want to look at it that way. But the asshole aspect was—it's it, a bit more modern interpretation. Yeah. Which, it, it, it's how this, people have gone back and read these these era books and go, wow, for that time period, he was a dick. I guess that means he must be a dick if you're going to write a modern. No, no you he make was him... more concerned with, with knowledge and you know he was? Pursuits. He was a fucking nerd. Yeah. he was. That's exactly what he was. He's the guy in the corner going, <laughs> let me see. Uh, oh, yeah, it's okay. I got it. You know, he wasn't this flamboyant, buff douchebag. Yeah, yeah he, he wasn't that was just always an re- asshole either. Yeah, right. The, the asshole that House is. But you don't get the charisma from him that you get from House. Or, or that you get from any modern interpretation of yeah. Sherlock. And you know, for those that don't know, this is taking place in the modern era. And so, in America. Yeah, and in America. Specifically. Uh, so, Chicago, I think, isn't it? I didn't catch the city. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, Sherlock is the problem with Sherlock. Or with, with elementary, elementary. Which, by the way, why they call it elementary is probably because of the line Elementary Major Watson, which was never in the books. So, yeah. all right. Vegas. Uh, this is a show takes place in 1960s Las Vegas. Okay, so this isn't the same Vegas that was out years ago of oh. the hotel or the yeah the hotel the Montecito casino. Hotel. Yeah, yeah. It, no, it's not. Which okay. I enjoyed Las Vegas. That that was a fun oh, the Las Vegas. Yeah. yeah, it was Las Vegas. It was a fun show. Uh, Vegas deals with a uh, mobster who's mm-hmm. running the casino. Back when the mobster mob actually ran the casino, was taking their skim off the top. Yep, and you know. It also, and that's actually kind of the B story. The A story is actually of a rancher who's kind of pissed at how Vegas is becoming the gambling mecca that it is and right. st- slowly growing, which means the airport's coming right over his land and scaring his cattle, and okay. he gets stuck becoming the sheriff. So, so is, it, is this sort of like the uh, network version of Boardwalk Empire? No, this is actually CSI 1960s Las Vegas. Because the sheriff, okay, it, well, it's not CSI because it's not as well. CSI about, was Vegas, anyways. So well, yeah, but it's it's not as much of the forensics, but it's a police procedural following the rancher, and there's an overarching conflict of, of him organized with crime the, and... with the organized crime. Okay, all right. And I was hoping it would focus more on the organized crime. I was. You wanted it to be more Boardwalk Empire. <laughs> I, yes, I wanted more Boardwalk Empire. Okay. This, and unfortunately, it feels like a, a regular old procedural just happens to be set in 1960s Vegas. Okay. And it gets a, it gets a little bit of an extra kick from that backstory of the mob, mm-hmm. but it feels too much like your standard procedural. So, overall, yeah. missable? Yeah, I, of, of these, Revolution's probably gonna get off the list. Huh. Elementary, I might give it one or two You'll more because I want it, the benefit it to of the get doubt. better, but okay. it's probably gonna, but if it doesn't improve soon, it's gonna go away. Mm-hmm. Vegas is gonna go away. Um, which brings us to Chicago Fire, mm-hmm. which is not a geek show, but it- Rescue me. That's what I want it to be. Okay. It is not. Okay. It's, so- but, 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 no, no, don't, 
because while I want it to be that, it, the show I don't think has premiered yet, but it had a demo that was available, uh, the pilot was available on Hulu mm-hmm. prior to it actually airing. I, I enjoyed the pilot. It did have the problem of too many characters trying to go too many routes and the, here's pretty boy A, here's pretty boy B, here's pretty boy C. Wait, which pretty boy is on the screen yeah, now? Yeah, which one do I give a crap about? Uh, not, well, and they're trying to build up some conflict. They should have stuck with one character, followed that character, yeah. and had all the other background characters, which is how, how Rescue Me did it. Here's Tommy. Here's Tommy's problems. Oh yeah. And, the problem with this is they're well. There's, they do have a main character. They don't follow him enough in the first episode to, to make get it you feel like him. a main character. Yeah, there's too many side characters that they needed to build out later into later in the in episodes. Yeah, that they tried to show all in the one episode, uh, which I think makes it weak. But it's passable. The, there is some. There's a new probie that shows up, and there's some hazing, which looks like you know amateur hour compared to the stuff that you got to see. And, okay. and rescue me. That's yeah. part of the problem that I have is... You, you've, you've got already a, a, rescu- a pedestal worth aiming for, and it's just not yeah. hitting it. And this show doesn't try to be rescue me. Don't get me wrong. Well, yeah. But but there you, are things that it's going to do just because it's part of that culture yeah. that yeah. you've already seen, and you've seen it done well. Mm-hmm. So for them to not at least meet the same criteria is going to be not, a strike not, against not it. Not even that it's to be done well. It's just, you know, here's the probie. We need to haze him. And let's put a goldfish in his boot. Yeah, it, yeah. it's it's second rate hazing, and I think it's because it's on network, and mm-hmm. they are scared of what they can get away with. Versus Rescue Me, which was on FX, which where there could... is no box, they can get away with just about anything. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, you know, you're not. It's not going to have the humor of it. So, I really enjoy it. I want the show to be better than it premiered to be, and I think given some time, it will. It needs some time to run and find its legs. Uh, there was another show on last year that was also about, that was actually following the rescue department, the ambulance drivers, that I actually enjoyed, wanted to follow a bit more. That unfortunately didn't make it. This one I'm kind of hoping will fill that gap for me. It'll, it'll be, it, it's going to be more of a character drama set in a firehouse following these characters. So ho- hopefully it will pull itself out of the fire and, you know, get some legs under it, get these, start focusing on developing one character, you know, develop him a little bit, get, get him set up and then start developing side stories for the other characters around it instead of getting too much on the one character. Um, and lastly, the show I'm going to talk about is Arrow. Arrow is, of course, the cream of the crop when it comes to this show being that it is decidedly aimed at our audience. It is, it an adaptation of DC's Green Arrow comic character. And it actually does a decent job of adapting Green Arrow for television. It's taking a little bit of some, some of the inspiration that the CW had with the, you know, adventures, not the adventures of Superman, but with Smallville where, although Smallville was before he became Superman, they're kind of taking that idea of we don't necessarily have to have full on costumes. For these characters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Arrow has definitely been more of a modernized, um, version. There's, yeah, fight scenes where you're kind of seeing stuff like Capoeira uh, making an appearance and you're, you're seeing free running or parkour, whichever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you, you've got those elements that you're starting to see in some of the more modern action movies. Uh, they're building it up 
But one of the things that they've done rather well is they've done a pretty good job of getting these characters right. And as far as the actual, like, uh, the, person the attitudes, the personalities. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I think they did that pretty well. There's still not quite enough time it, from one episode to have developed all of that mm-hmm. that's necessary, but I think you're starting to see that they know where they, where these characters, who these characters are, where they're supposed to go. Yeah. When it actually premiered, it was the biggest show that the CW has had on in three years. Mm-hmm. It's the most watched show that they've had. Which probably I would think is secondary only to Smallville, I would imagine. Uh, maybe. I, I don't know what Smallville premiered at, but yeah. It's certainly, uh, up there for, for the watchability. Uh, there's gonna be, there's some interesting things you're gonna see. Um, you, of course, Oliver Queen is the right. Green Arrow, mm-hmm. although the, he's only called uh, the show is called Arrow. Um, they do mention that he's a guy in a green hood. Um, there, there's certainly some things that you're kind of going, well, where the hell did he learn how to fight? I understand the parkour, I understand being physically yeah. fit, and I understand learning how to shoot a bow because that's how he had to hunt on the island that he was on for five years. Mm-hmm. But, but the actual fight, but the, the MMA elements that are in the fighting, the capoeira. Where did you learn how to fight like this? That, that's kind that of... Maybe yet to be revealed. It may be yet to be revealed, but you know what? I'm willing to forgive that. Just maybe the kid's a natural. You never know. Yeah. Maybe he took it all through high school. I don't know. But it was... They have kind of made... There are some kind of fun jokes. You know, at one point, um, when he comes back, his friend's throwing him a big party for welcome back mm-hmm. after having been gone on... Stuck Got on it. an island for uh-huh. five years. And... They're, they're, he's looking up and going, man, my math calculation's been so many days since you've had any. We got three, we got prime all over the place. Just take a look at this. There's three girls dancing. I think you should go for Gina. Well, which one's Gina? The one that looks like the girl from Twilight. What's, What's Twilight? Twilight? It's better you don't know. <laughs> and so th- there are there are a couple of jokes about mm-hmm. how he's been left out. Yeah. Um, they've established. Ooh, ooh. Does he dance around and sing Friday? No. Okay. Yes, I, you're, you're talking about the Spider-Man uh, and uh, and Johnny. Johnny Storm, who'd been gone. And, yep, uh, that was callback. Yep. Uh, Go <laughs> dig through our ago. old episodes if you want to find the one where we talk yes. about uh, Amazing Spider-Man number something or other. Yeah, uh, that was before the uh, world's end. Yes, uh, ends ends of the earth before the ends of the earth story, right. leading yeah. right leading right into there. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, but uh, you know they have di- they have Laurel Lance. Uh, in this series, um, they, oh, okay. they talk about his relationship with her relationship with Oliver, and uh, how that is not going very well, and mm-hmm. why. Um, you've got um, they're, they're, they've already said um, from some of the promo materials that you're going to be seeing Deadshot. Yeah, hey. <laughs> got it right. And, yeah. So uh, there's there's elements of the larger world going on, of the larger DC world going on. Mm-hmm. Huntress is supposed to be making. In appearance, if I recall correctly, Which, as a regular character. Are these going to be the same characters that appeared in Smallville? Because it seems like the arrow mm-hmm. that's in here is very similar to the green arrow that did appear in Smallville. I don't know that they're necessarily building the same universe. Because mm-hmm. uh, in Smallville, I think he actually... Sh- well, I know they had green arrow appear in Smallville. I don't yeah. remember if he was actually in costume or not. Uh, yeah, that was one of- Maybe. Uh, by the time Smallville ended, Superman was the only hero that wasn't in costume, I think. Yeah, probably. Which is kind of ironic because he's the first, usually. Go um, figure. There, you know, some interesting stuff, um, with, you know, why he, what he finds out, um, before, right, right as he's left on the island and mm-hmm. what, what, why he takes up this mantle. 
Because halfway through the episode... He found a hatch, didn't he? Halfway, three quarters of the way through this episode, no, but he did find a giant smoke monster. Cool. Uh, halfway to, t- to three quarters of this, I'm kind of wondering, why is he come back and why is he doing this crusade? Because he gets back and he knows that, that he wants to do this crusade. Mm-hmm. But why? What? And you know, they eventually... And they do actually talk, get to that in the show. Mm-hmm. I felt it was a bit late in there as to why, why he was doing it, but... Um, but it's the only first episode. I mean, there's yeah. lots, lots of room yet to grow on this. So. Yeah, I, I, I think it's worth, the the missteps are definitely minor compared to where what it got right. Okay. And uh, you know, he's talking with his sister, uh, or he walks in and his sister says, "Hey, Ollie," and he goes, "It's been a long time since I've heard that nickname." And then uh, she says something, and he calls her Speedy. So yeah, n- another little hint yeah. drop there. Yeah. Um, and of course she's like, worst nickname ever. <laughs> um, so. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Couple of, uh, you know, t- definite ties to DC Universe, you know. And I'm sure if, if you've been reading, uh, Green Arrow a bit Arrow. more thoroughly than I have, probably a couple of other characters you'll pick up on. I'm sure. So. Uh, and we should mention also that Arrow had its own free comic book that came out this past week that you could pick up and read through. It gives you, uh, a little short vignette. That I'm guessing ties into the show, along um, with a separate. Kind of gives you an idea of, fact- of, of the character type story that you're dealing with. Yeah, but does not act at least as far as the not pilot, directly tie in. As far as the pilot, it, it's not part of the story. It's not. Well, you have one. Tie-in. You have one that's well. It's two different character introductions. You have the character introduction to the heroic arrow and a character introduction to the pre-heroic arrow, yes. and you get a flavor of both sides of the coin. And, so. but n- none have directly tied in as of yet. To, and I have to, a feeling they the probably story. won't, especially not coming out it's of just, a free comic book. But. Just kind of a teaser. Well, it, well it, yeah. it, it's just something to get you interested to make you go, okay, yeah. maybe I want to watch this show. What, what I did find interesting is with the exception of Batgirl and Batman, all the DC comics came out with a teaser for Arrow on them. On the cover, you mean? On the, yeah, on the cover, yeah. the, the, the top Which bar. DC has done that on a lot of their books for a lot of different things recently, and that's really starting to piss me off. Marvel, Marvel does it too. Bat, Batgirl and Batman did not. I, I, the, the, Damn the Joker right. Joker Return story is, is more powerful than advertising. And that was a beautiful decision, whoever made that. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, um, Jim. <laughs> I don't know if it was Jim, but thanks, Jim. <laughs> I'll give you the credit on that one. All right. A uh, little bit more. Uh, for those of you that are looking for the uh, Marvel movies that are not from Marvel Studios, mm-hmm. That would be anything in the X-Men universe or the Fantastic Four universe. We've got some good news. Fox has the rights. Well, Fox has had the rights. Oh, yeah, that's true. Arguably, that's been the problem. They've done decently well with the first two X-Men movies. Actually, really well with introducing with the first X-Men movie, considering that genre was not open for general public. They actually got a public hit with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Second movie, X-Men United, was also very good, considered even better than the first. Right. Then, and then they did uh, X Men Three, and they've had both Fantastic Four movies. They did a little bit of redemption with the X Men First Class. That was that was actually really good. Yeah, but before and, that, they screwed the pooch with Wolverine. Yeah, and I don't know. They screwed who, the pooch or shat the bed. I think a little bit of both. I think they screwed the pooch in the bed they shat in. Actually. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, because that that was a train wreck, and. So not only was it was that but bad, there's but even theory. Or there's, there's rumors that there's wonder of whether Wolver the Wolverine, which will be coming out right. soon, uh, should be next year. Well, we'll, we'll 
follow in the footsteps of X-Men Origins Wolverine or if it will actually redeem itself. Yeah. Uh, the other thing, too, and I thought this was a, an entertaining rumor, is that Ryan Reynolds so hated the depiction of Deadpool that was done in the Wolverine movie that he actually wants to make his own Deadpool movie just because it was that bad. Maybe you should talk to uh, Thomas Jane about doing a short film. Yeah. Uh, uh, it really seems like the fan stuff that these guys want to do would be a lot better than the actual things that they've yeah. done. Uh, Thomas Jane, for those of you who don't know, um, did a short film called Dirty Laundry. Dirty Laundry. We talked about it on the show a little while back. Um, so if you go to YouTube, search for Dirty Laundry, uh, Punisher fan film. Or just, actually, be, I would say uh, Dirty Laundry, Thomas Jane. Yeah. Uh, it's They don't explicitly say Punisher, but there is a familiar skull at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, anyways, anyways, getting back to the back, story. Back to the important thing with the, the X-Men characters and the Fantastic Four characters. They've, Mar- Fox has gotten smart and decided to hire a consultant for these movies. And it's the consultant that makes the most sense, to be perfectly honest. Somebody that's written Marvel characters and knows comics and comic book history and is going to do a great job with this. Mark Millar. All right. Which I, I would be willing to say Mark Millar is the Jeff Johns of Marvel. Between, between him or Bendis? I, I would go with Bendis, but Millar kind of steps in to, to a role on, on his own that, yeah, he, he's about a lot a bit more freedom, but he's, with, with this role with Fox, if Fox listens to him, mm-hmm. we, we may be able to get movies out of Fox that are almost as good as well, their comics. At, as the Mar- the movies coming out of the Marvel Studios. We can only hope. Yes. Uh, now, Fox did have the rights to Daredevil. They weren't able to get a movie in the pipeline fast enough to be able to maintain those rights. So Daredevil's rights have gone back to Marvel. Okay. So the next Daredevil movie will probably be a Marvel Studios movie and should be decent. As long as they don't make it Shadowland. Yes. Because that'd be crap. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay, it well, for comic stuff uh yeah. i i did want to mention uh one of the reasons that i was i was late getting here tonight we're actually recording this pretty late at night um but i have entered into the, the fraternity of home brewers i don't have you know a, a membership to special operations which is one of our local groups that i may actually end up joining just because i love their logo it's the special special ops emblem you know the the spear but with a hop flower as the spear. I think it's, it's just fucking brilliant. Very but anyways, funny. I may, or I have started my first batch of homebrew this evening. Mm-hmm. And a couple quick tips for anybody that wants to get into homebrewing. Uh, one, it is really simple. If you can make oatmeal, you can make homebrew. Two, if you're doing a grain, a, an all grain mash, it smells like grape nuts. That was a surprise to me. I was not expecting that. And now I really want to go get a box of grape nuts. Um, number three, if you're going to be doing this on a glass top range, make sure that you bring your temperatures up to about 10 degrees before your target and turn your fucking stove off because it will coast up the rest of the way. If you leave it on all the way up to your temperature and then turn it off, it's not like a metallic burner that gets cold. The glass on your glass top stays hot, which means your temperature will keep going up past your target. I did this multiple times. I did not learn from my lessons. Learn from my mistake. <laughs> um, so, what kind of beer are you actually making this time? Uh, this one is actually from the Brooklyn Brewing Company. It's called the Summer Wheat uh, variety that they have. I, I was given but this it's fall. I don't care. I was given this 
back on my birthday in the summer. Okay. That in July. Sense. And, uh, it's one of their packages. You can get it from Williams and Sonoma if you have one of those in your area. Uh, however, I'm you actually probably calling this. Probably it online if you don't. Yeah. I'm actually calling this, it's specifically a honey wheat. There is honey in the recipe for when you do the conditioning in the bottles. Uh, it's part of the starter sugars that are made to reinvigorate the yeast to have it carbonate while in the bottle. Uh, however, since I don't use honey, I'm going to be using an agave nectar. And I did try an agave wheat that another brewer put out not too long ago, and I really enjoyed it. So I think this will end up being a very, very good brew for my first batch. Not particularly very strong. I just realized now that I forgot to take my initial, my original gravity, so I don't know what my actual alcohol content is going to be. I probably should have done that. God damn it. I just now thought of that. Uh, It's supposed to be about a 5.5, which is fairly timid as far as beer alcohol content goes. The highest you can get. Not so bad to American beers. Not so bad. American beers in the the 3, 4 range. This will be a 5, but beers can go as high as 12. Yes, so those are European and Canadian beers where they really drink beer as opposed to here. No, there's there's American. The no, there's American. Well, the standard American lager, yes. There are plenty of American brews that go up into the 11s and 12s. Point in case being our local brewer that's very well known internationally, which is Cigar City Brewery. They make a whole lot. Their main uh, line is actually in stouts, and a lot of their stout beers are very very high alcohol content. Which is surprising because for the people that I know that have tested them, they say you don't necessarily taste it. And these are the guys that can go and buy growlers, which are like your 750 bottles. They'll drink one of these growlers and end up just bumble-fucking their way home because they're so trashed after drinking this stuff. Um, speaking of, uh, in our neck of the woods, CCB is going to be opening a new brew house. Yay! They have their tasting room down... Uh, at, you were, at, over by Redner Studios, uh, down on Spruce Cypress, uh, that in area. In downtown Tampa. In downtown Tampa. Uh, well, in west downtown Tampa. Um, and there's gonna be a new restaurant that they're opening up in Ornithwood. So anybody that's local that listens to this, be aware, CCB is on the move. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, g- good for them, and good for you with getting your batch going. Woohoo! And, uh, enjoy your sissy, uh, Five percent. Yeah, sixty-five percent beer that I'll have on. I'll pour it over my uh, bowl of grape nuts. Yep, and I will give you a toast with my eighty-proof whiskey. I can drink more of mine than you can drink yours. <laughs> yes, I, I can pee more whiskey. from it too. Yep, you'll have to pee before I. I'll get sit there and get drunker. Yeah, <laughs> I I can take one and get a lot more drunker than you can. This is true. So, uh, anyways, uh, one other story uh, that I saw in. Just thought this was, this was fun and, uh, something that I certainly enjoy is, uh, guns in history mm-hmm. and, uh, two guns that were a, uh, part of a well-known history mm-hmm. and an era that I love. And I know a lot of, a lot of people kind of glamorize the era the... and that, that is the, uh, the, uh, Colt Detective Special 38 revolver and the 911, 1911, Army Colt 45 pistol that belonged to Bonnie and Clyde respectively were up for auction mm-hmm. and raised $504,000. Uh, both are actually looked really good from the photo I saw. They looked really nice and pretty good condition mm-hmm. considering they were taken from the, from the car after they were, Bonnie and Clyde were shot to death. Yeah. Uh, uh 
just to refresh my memory, Bonnie and Clyde were Roaring Twenties, Prohibition era? Uh, no, actually, just after into the, into uh, the Great Thir- Depression. Depression era? Okay. Yeah, they were Depression era. Speaking uh, of homebrew. Yeah, they, they were, yeah, people were talking about why they were so special. And if you really want, check out, you want something um, that's hmm. mostly accurate, check out the movie uh, with, uh, uh, I can't, can't even think of his wah, name. Wah. Yeah. You um, failed. Actually, Bonnie and Clyde's the name of the movie. It shouldn't be that hard. Okay. If, if, if you uh, how, towards, how modern is it? Uh, the movie. Um, I think it was the 80s, but okay. uh, I'll figure it out. Well, either way. But, um, uh, so uh, were these put up as part of like a charity auction? Were these just flat out put up for collectors? Or? I believe this was just a, a straight up uh, collector's okay. search. Um yeah, and yeah, this was definitely selling stuff from a little bit earlier in that era because yeah. they said that the uh, Pretty Boy Floyd and uh, Al Capone also had some items that were up for sale. Okay. This, um, interesting a, a that this actually items from Bonnie and Clyde. Interesting, this and, actually broke through yeah. BBC. That's kind so, of funny. Uh, and sorry, actually, this uh, I was way off on the time. Nineteen sixty-seven, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, Bonnie and Clyde. Uh, it's actually <laughs> God, classic. yeah, you were way the hell off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's Baby. it's, it's wow. the definitive uh, movie for uh, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, and uh, it's also uh, got Gene Hackman in it. If you just want another big name in there, oh yay! Uh, I like the stuff he's in. It, it's they're a story that's captured the imagination of America, uh, in part because it's a love story uh, between Bonnie and Clyde. Although supposedly uh, they never actually consummated. There, there's a lot of questions about what their actual relationship was, in that they probably loved each other, but they never actually consummated. And uh, th- there's also okay, so they're more Mulder and Scully. Mm, I guess so, but so you've got you've got that aspect. Plus, it was at a time ooh, when ooh, they were actually chasing aliens. Them being shot and killed was a government conspiracy because they found out about the little gray men. But one of the other reasons why they the were so man. loved is because they were robbing banks. They were sticking it to the man at a time mm. that of depression in America, where a lot of people were having their banks for were having the banks foreclose on their houses. They were robbing the banks. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, they, they, they kind of, a lot of people kind of romanticized it because they were sticking it to the man, even though they didn't necessarily have the, that Robin Hood of we're getting any benefit. They yeah. just saw the banks that were foreclosing on their farms and, and on their right. tractors and, and cars. And or homes. just going to try to pull their savings out of the bank and not being able to do it because the bank flat out didn't have the money in it. Yeah. Partially well, because they kept getting fucking robbed. Well, yeah, the bank didn't have the money because they got robbed. But, uh, yeah, it, By Wall it was just really cool to see, you know, you know for half a million dollars yeah. to, to see these guns uh, sell for, you know, just two, two handguns, a 38 revolver and a 1911 45 pistol. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Uh, cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, but that, that's why we have, why, why we're inside a Tesseract that lets us encompass all this cool stuff. Oh, yeah. Yes. Speaking of, that's, uh, it for us for this show. All of our contact information can be found at about.me slash comicbooktesseract. So if you want to get in contact with us, let us know what you thought of this show, what you think of our release, new release schedule, uh, if you want to call us dirty names or whatever you want. Uh, our website is on there. Our Facebook is on there. Our G Plus account is on there. Twitter, email, Google Voice, all of that fun stuff. Any way that you want to contact us is at about.me slash comicbooktesseract. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, say goodbye to you as we... Uh... Yeah, we'll see you again on the 1st or the 16th of the month. And next one will be on, on the 1st. Yep, this one's coming out on the 16th. Next one will be out on the 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's our new release schedule. Uh, so 
just wanted to keep you in the loop on that. Mm -hmm. uh, but we'll see you next time when we step inside the Tesseract.